Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 83 and it is Tuesday, August 1st, 2017. And with me as always is my uh, co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's going on, everybody? Yes, indeed. And today we in the studio, we have our very special guest, uh, Curtis Parvin of uh, Splash Page Comics. How's it going, everybody? Hey, everything's going great, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, then thanks for being here, man. This is this is awesome. You know, we I know we've been kind of talking about you know collaborating for a while. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it's cool that you guys you know talk about comics and pop culture and movies, and I'm I'm just here to you know talk um, and uh, just have a good time. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Indeed, it will be. So thank, like I said, like we said, thank you for coming. Yeah. Let's get to it. Cool. Yeah, indeed. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to it here. And um, not to mention, we have your partner Drew coming in. Yep. As Drew, well. Yeah, Drew's on the way. All yep. Right. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's the the illustrator of our comics, and I am the writer. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll definitely talk about uh, your comic, uh, mm-hmm. Legend of Beard Fist. Yeah. Uh, later on in the show. And uh, thank thank you to all the uh, all of our Facebook Live uh, viewers uh, who are popping in. And uh, yeah, pretty much got a, got a, got a few things to talk about. I know we we took took uh, took the last week off, but now we're back on our regular schedule on Tuesday nights. Uh, yeah, my bad for that. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> you know, uh, it's good to have a break every now and then. Um, so with that said, uh, Carl, what you been up to, man? Well, uh, I mean, I've been uh, re- I've been revisiting a lot of the uh, Beyond the Ring documentaries on the WWE Network, mainly because. Um, I get tired at night, so I want to watch. So I don't want to watch something that I have to pay attention to because if I fall asleep, I'll be really pissed and I have to start all over again. So I just mm-hmm. throw something that I watched that I've watched like a while ago, and I don't care if I fall asleep on it. Yeah. So um, one of them that I watched was the uh, Triumph and Tragedy of uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. That was a uh, promotion back in the '80s where that um, took place in the uh, Dallas te- in uh, Dallas, um, Texas. Yep. Um, territory ran by uh, Fritz von Erich, and um, the big you know the big stars were the uh, von Erich family, which consists of him and uh, his five sons, Kevin, Kerry, Mike, David, and Chris. Um, they were pretty much like on top of the world. They had, you know, I mean, they were they were like rock stars, especially during one of their notable uh, feuds were against the fabulous Freebirds, which consisted of. Um, uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, um, Buddy Roberts, um, geez, te- uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and then later on, uh, Gordy's Jimmy Garvin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like I said, it was such a, ma- it was such, you know, such a big, sh- you know, a big territory until, you know, you know, the 80s, that drug culture came in. And then, unfortunately, the, um, like a lot of the wrestlers started dying off, like, um, Gino Hernandez was one of them, and then the pretty much all of the members of the Von Erich family. Uh, the yeah. first one to go was David, who had the utmost potential. He was out. He was actually going to be the um, NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the time. Oh wow! But he ended up getting sick over at, at a trip to Japan, and um, I think it was like he had an explosion in his intestines or something like that. Oof. There's still speculations on his death to this day, mm. but um, so yeah, he ended up passing away, and. Um, and then that led to uh, Mike, Mike Von Erich. He ended up committing suicide. Mm. Then later on, uh, baby brother Chris uh, shot himself. Well, Mike killed himself by us uh, while overdosing on Placido and alcohol. Damn. And then 
Chris, who he was, you know, smaller than the rest of the, than the rest of his brothers. He want he just wanted to wrestle, but he couldn't, and he, by, he was so depressed by that, to um, to the point where he shot himself. And then Kerry, who uh, who's later on, who went to the WWE to become the Texas Tornado. He was a uh, Intercontinental Champion at one time. Yep. Um, he ended up getting into a whole bunch of trouble, and he had like a whole. Um, he had, you know, some drug problems as well. He got into the motorcycle amp- um, accident where he actually had to get his foot amputated, and he actually wrestled on with a prosthetic foot. Wow, how does that work? He, you wouldn't have been able to tell. I didn't know until I was older, and I'm like, wow, he had a fake foot. I think it was his right foot that was amputated, Man. and he wrestled on a prosthetic foot, and nobody knew, and um, he wasn't able to tell. Hmm. So, um, but then, like I say, he was embarrassing the family name, and then. He just he end up uh, shooting himself on the ranch. So that right now there's only one member of the Von Erich brothers left, and that's uh, older brother um, Kevin. Oh wow! So and so we went into that one, and Kevin then I later on, and then I also visited um, Brian Pillman's Loose Cannon. Now I'm not sure if you remember. Oh, I guess I guess here. What's going on, Drew? Hey, uh, I'm hey. <laughs> how's it going, hey. man? Hey, welcome so, to the show. Yeah. yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah. 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 And you are? Drew's dad. Drew's hey. dad to everybody. Hey, that's Lou. So, um, yeah, I got into Brian Pillman's uh, Loose Cannon. Now, Brian Pillman, he was probably one of the um, the innovators of the uh, cruiserweight division back in the early, late the 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Uh, he trained with uh, Stu Hart and the rest of the Hart family. And... Um, and then he ended up becoming tag teams with Stone Cold Steve Austin, well, Stunning Steve Austin at the time. Mm-hmm. So they were Flying Brian, Stunning Steve Austin, the Hollywood Blondes. He later on became a member, a short-term member of the Four Horsemen, and then he was a member of the Hart Foundation and the, and the WWE. And he was probably was the one to like start setting up like, like you can tell like with a lot of his antics, like the gun angle that he did with Stone Cold, um, yep. the. Uh, Marlene is my love slave for a month angle um, that he did with uh, Goldust. Mm-hmm. And you can tell like that was when like the Attitude Era was like getting ready to seep in. And then unfortunately, he ended up having a heart attack and, uh, and passing away at like the age of 35. Yeah. So um, it, it makes me, it actually just makes me wonder like, wow, if he didn't die, like, and then the Attitude Era just came in, just really went in, like, what would he have? Like, what would he have done? What role would he have played in the WWE at that time? Mm. And then I also went into the uh, Powerful Families of Wrestling, which it just highlights, all, like, uh, not all of them, because I'm sure there's, like, tons of them, but many of the um, more prolific um, families of wrestling, the, the Anna Wyatt family, McMahons, the um, the Von Erics, the Hearts, and the Wyndhams, and you name it, you know, they just highlighted. So that was a cool, um, those were some uh, cool documentaries to uh, revisit. As I went to sleep, <laughs> but um, nice. I definitely recommend you guys. You know, any wrestling fan who's into like historic, you know, the history of wrestling, recommend anybody to just get into it and just watch it and check it out for yourself. Nice. So awesome. that's pretty much me. What about you? Oh yeah, just uh, yeah, just been catching up on a bunch of movies and whatnot. Um, let's see, I, I caught I caught a few over the weekend. Um, uh, two of which I two of which uh, I. Well, one of which I recommend. The other one, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, the first one I, that I did see, it was a couple weeks ago, was Christopher Nolan's latest film, uh, Dunkirk. I heard that was really good. That was excellent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you've seen it? Oh, yeah. 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 
Yeah, Dun- had a chance yet. me neither. Oh man, like, <laughs> like Dunkirk. It's a it's a film that's written and directed by Christopher Nolan. It's actually his tenth uh, feature film. You're just a Christopher Nolan fan, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Like like Christopher Nolan. So far, he's ten for ten. Like he's one of the probably one of the only filmmakers I can think of that has not made a bad film yet. He's a master of the craft. He's really really good. Yeah. Yeah. And and this film Dunkirk, man, it's just like on a technical level, on a directorial level, it's just incredible to watch. And it's actually one of the uh, very few films that I recommend if you can squeeze out a few extra dollars I do recommend watching it in IMAX yeah. because it was shot in 65mm and it was shot in a large film format and it he, he utilizes every inch of that frame uh, I actually saw it in IMAX and I was just blown away and um, the whole film it's, a, it's this really intense uh, war drama uh, which uh, it's like a, a dramatization of the whole uh, Dunkirk uh, evacuation mm-hmm. where a bunch of uh, British and uh, f- uh, French and Belgian troops were uh, stranded on this uh, beach of Dunkirk, France. Uh, German Nazis were basically uh, pushing them into the sea. Okay. And so um, they had to, the Allied forces had to uh, launch this uh, evacuation operation to get their troops out, uh, out to safety. And the, whole, and the film is structured into three distinct parts. And so there's... Um, there is a one part uh, which takes place on the beach, which takes place over the span of a week, and then you have one which takes place uh, on the sea in the Engl- in the English Channel, which takes place over the span of a day, and then you have uh, the air, which takes place over the span of one hour, and it's and the whole film intercuts between those three distinct uh, distinct time periods, and and throughout the film, man, it's just like it's it's like an intense experience where it's kind of like Black Hawk Down in the sense that you don't really follow any one particular protagonist and in fact like there are many people in a film characters that you don't even know the names of you just follow them and you're just like stuck in you're just like thrown into the experience of like wanting to survive and you know and get to safety and i thought that w- that worked to, to a really really great effect um the cinematography was awesome uh by uh, hoyt van hoytema who was a cinematographer for interstellar okay and so you see like wide shots of like the foam soaked beaches the endless uh, endless uh, choppy seas uh, there's some intense dogfighting with a uh, Tom Hardy's character, who's a pilot who uh, who has to uh, contend with not only uh, not only shooting down uh, enemy planes, but he also has to contend with um, you know, not having enough fuel in his in his plane to actually complete the mission. And then you have Mark Rylance's character, who's a civilian, who takes him and his his son and another uh, and his son's friend, and they go out to sea to actually try to rescue as many uh, many British troops as they can on their small boat um and and it's like it's like wow it's it was incredible to see that because mark rylance he's a his performance was pretty was 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 also was also very well done in that like he was just a guy who was just who had no military training but he just wanted to do his part and uh to save as many lives as he could and it's like wow all you have you have no weapons all you have is this small civilian vessel this boat you could just be easily bombed out out to oblivion but he but he managed to you know do what he could and also the the score of the film by Hans Zimmer, it's it's like nonstop throughout the film, which could be a criticism because like the the the, the score consists of like like ticking the sound of like ticking a stopwatch, um, the the that Inception bong that sound effect that you hear that yep. they had in um, Dark Knight. Yep, that 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 that's ship. That is that's. Is that pretty much a Christopher Nolan trademark? Yeah, Hans, Hans, so. Hans likes well, he likes his horns. I think, right? Okay. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a trademark right there. Yeah, and and like this, the score is like nonstop, yeah. and and it definitely adds to the whole chaos of the film too. And 
Man, it, it, it's definitely an experience. And um, it's actually uh, Christopher Nolan's shortest film, too. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes. Really? Yeah. It's a tight movie, yeah. 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 And like, like everything is just... It, it was just an amazing, amazing to watch. So I highly recommend uh, watching Dunkirk. Um, like I said, watch it in 65 millimeter if you can. If you can squeeze an extra, extra couple of bucks. Otherwise, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of, I guess you can kind of watch it in regular uh, 35 millimeter, which I'm sure is a good experience. But, but this is where this is one where I say IMAX is worth it. Okay. Yeah, and you said that you've seen it too. Yeah, right? I did not see it in IMAX, but uh, the experience, like you said, is definitely worth it. It gets a thumbs up from me, definitely. Mm, awesome. Yeah, so I watched that. Um, that's one. That's one uh, film I recommend. Um, and uh, the other film that the, the other film that I did watch uh, over the uh, over the weekend was Atomic Blonde, uh, which uh, you know. There's all right. Well, Atomic Blonde just to set it up. It, it stars a uh, Charlize Theron, um, uh, James McAvoy, and it's a it's a film that's based on this uh, this graphic novel that was published in 2012 called The Coldest City, and it's like an espionage thriller, kind of like, kind of sort of done in the style of like a, of like a John Le Carre movie or novel, but just with a lot more action. And the film stars Charlize Theron as this uh, MI6 agent uh, named Lorraine, and she's uh, she's tasked with uh, finding this. Uh, this list of uh, undercover agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, she's tasked with recovering it, otherwise before, before her and her whole operation gets exposed. And the whole film takes place in 1989 uh, Berlin, uh, shortly before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, so it's kind of like a end of the Cold War era thriller. Um, I will say that the film has a ton of amazing action scenes, especially like towards the, like in the, in the third act, there's like this really long take which of this action scene which takes place on like on this in the stairwell and it just keeps going on and on and i thought it was i thought it was really well directed and shot um the cinematography was 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 nice um it was uh, uh by jonathan sella who was the cinematographer for john wick and in fact um uh, david leach he was a co-director of john wick he also directed this film uh the action scenes were, were on point and the soundtrack was was fantastic too a lot of 80s rock but, but the weak. But the, I can't recommend the film because the story and the characters were absolutely weak. Like, like there was really no, really no character development uh, with uh, with uh, with the main character, um, uh, the Atomic Blonde, if you will. Um, you she don't doesn't have a name. She's just actually called it Atomic Blonde. No, her name's Lorraine. Oh, but, um, that's it. Yeah, and uh, like. Uh, and it's like you, you don't know too much about her so it's like you don't have there's no personal sta- stakes unlike John Wick where he was a pissed off dog owner and you felt sorry for him this one is like well she's just a competent agent that that's all you need to know and 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 the story and the characters are so weak that even even in the scene where she had a a love scene with a Sofia Butella even though, even even when that went down all I could say was cool and then that was it um the the like the the story the story definitely drags this film down to a rental because it be, it becomes it starts to become a little too uh, uh, cute a little too uh, convoluted for its own good, and then at the end of it you're like well, um, if if this if this was condensed into a twenty minute short film and it was just that one action scene in the stairs with that long take I could easily recommend it, but as it stands eh, you're better off red boxing so it. So you basically left with no joy at all. <sighs> I mean, if if you're just looking at just looking at the action scenes, 
if you just like if you like if if you were to if you were to red box this movie or better yet borrow it from the library for free fast forward to the last 20 minutes and then be like wow that was really cool then return it and then enjoy the rest of your day that's how i that's how i say that's the amount of joy you can get out of the film Jeez. yeah but yeah, that's uh, rather disappointing mm-hmm. It is, but I did see it with um, uh, Jim Savard, who was a friend of the show. He's Shout a, out to him. Yep, uh, creator of the Hellion comic. He loved it, and I'm glad that he got way more out of it than I than I did. So, yeah. But then again, you pretty much hate everything. I don't hate everything, <laughs> dude. Man, see, see this. See, I, I, I gotta stop this meme, man. <laughs> you, you you keep perpetuating it. That's not I true. Mean, you just gotta watch, watch some stuff that's just that makes people happy and actually like it. I mean, well, speaking of which, I mean, I do have some criterions I can recommend for for. Go people. on ahead. All right. Go so, on ahead. Uh, just put us back on Facebook I'm, Live. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in this because I just went to the Criterion sale and bought a whole bunch of movies. So let's let's see what you got. Man, let All me right. tell you. So you tagged us into. <laughs> you put on a post about the Criterion Criterion sale. Yeah. You tagged us. Victor lost his damn mind. Really. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was it was great that I actually knew somebody who was into the Criterion Collection because, oh, yeah. uh, apparent, unfortunately, there's no one among among our among our group that even knows what it is. I like I like I told you before, I did not know what Criterion was until I started doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but you actually you actually managed to watch one film, which was I uh, did I did Tootsie. Yeah, know. it's a great way to see um, rare films and you know things that are. Um, Things are also only available sometimes on the Criterion label. Like I was mentioning to you before, like if you wanted to watch Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy, mm-hmm. it's not available in any other format, at least in the United States. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I did manage to uh, uh, pick up some more Criterions. Um, I did, I did uh, post a few, few of the ones I got on, on Instagram. And so this was my, from my second and third trips over okay. there. Uh, so I got uh, uh, Usman Sembeni's uh, debut feature, uh, Black Girl, uh, which is a really cool uh, Senegalese French film. Uh, I got that. I got uh, Woman of the Year, uh, which is, uh, I think it was the first feature of uh, Catherine Hepburn and uh, Spencer Tracy. Really cool, really cool feature here. I also got uh, this Italian neorealism, neorealism uh, set, the Robert, Roberto Rossellini's War Trilogy. Uh, it features uh, Rome, uh, Open City, uh, Paisan, and, and Germany Year Zero. Three great films. Um, if you're into uh, some Italian realism, this is a good place to start. Um, Jim Jarmusch's uh, Night on Earth. That's a really good movie. Yeah, it's d- definitely one of my favorite uh, Jim Jarmusch films. Very, very funny and a lot of dark humor. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's a nice little uh, anthology film. Mm-hmm. Uh, just five, five taxi cab rides, interesting dialogue. Um, they Live by Night, uh, the debut feature of Nicholas Ray, a nice little uh, crime, crime uh, f- feature, film noir. And last but not least, uh, on DVD, uh, Burden of Dreams. Which I watched recently, yeah. and it's really, really good. Um, yeah. Werner Herzog is just, he's just a maniac. He's, he's one of the best filmmakers, and it, it, just in his ability to, um, what he's willing to do to make a film. Like, he's mm. willing to literally and figuratively walk through fire to make a film. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to not put too fine a point on it, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like the the whole film is it's a, it's about the making of the movie uh, Fitzcarraldo, oh. where he ba- where he basically like managed to drag a whole steamer through a jungle. No C- back then there was no CG in the eighties. Right. Uh, no, there was no miniatures. He actually dragged a whole boat through the jungle. Tried to pull a steamship over a hill in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> yep, just because he said he thought he could, yep. and, he, and he did. Was it worth it? Well, probably not. <laughs> I mean, well. 
I'll, I'll I'll leave it up to to you to to, fi- to f- figure out. But it's it's a great documentary. Um, if anybody's interested in um or just starting to make films, watch this movie and then basically see how far you're willing to go. Because depending on the kind of movie you're making, where the setting is, the type of actors you have, um, the size of the production, your budget, um, it can get really, really hairy really quick. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those, that's, what I, that's what I got. Um, those are the movies I watched. Um, how about you guys? What have, what have you guys what been up to? What have you guys been up to lately? Been up to. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Uh, Actually, well, tell us more about yourself. We kind of just went on to our th- went on to our usual format, sorry, by habit. We yeah. didn't get a chance to like introduce you, really properly introduce you. Tell us about yourself, Drew. Uh, yeah. Me. Um, I, right now, uh, for a living, I drive a candy bin, which is way less creepy than it sounds. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but by night, I, uh, I draw Beard Fist for uh, Splash Page Comics. And that one was, uh, that's an idea I've had for four or five years now. Really? I uh, started yeah. back in like, like uh, you know, early high school. And it, back then it was just like a, like a dumb little character I, I, I would draw. And then I started to, you know, add more characters and, and flesh out the story a little bit more. And then get to the point where, you know, I, I had a whole uh, arc that I wanted to tell. But comics were really the only medium in which I could tell them, uh, which is good because I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of comics at home. So uh, nothing wrong with that. So I, yeah, so so I I, I knew kind of kind of what I was getting into. Um, I've done comics since I was a kid. Like yeah, before I could even uh, read, I would be drawing you know comics with like uh, like real basic characters and and stuff in them. And uh, and then I met Curtis through a mutual friend we have, and I found out that he was a filmmaker. And uh, we actually we actually met when I was pretty young, but recently I, I pitched an idea to him, and he fell in love with it. He loved it. Um, and uh, basically, what I needed was somebody to help me uh, form all the ideas I had into an actual like cohesive narrative, and, uh, and that's where he comes in. So, uh, okay. so it, we <coughs> excuse me. Oh, do, oh, it was it was actually it's actually kind of the perfect collaboration because he had all these characters, um, and he was um, incredibly. Um, incredibly gifted in terms of uh, illustrating something, uh, drawing, um, uh, coming up with different uh, uh, characters and scenarios and so on. And uh, and I actually have a background in screenwriting. I went to a liberal arts college and uh, I I, uh, got a degree in uh, English and I minored in uh, in film and video studies. Uh, So writing, storytelling, it's always been it's always been kind of my bag. And after college, this was about 2000. Uh, let's see, 2010 uh, or 11 or something like that. I was uh, basically trying to make independent films and realizing that again, getting back to burden of dreams, that I kind of wish I had seen that back then when I was when I was uh, wanting to basically get my own crew and do it. I th- I'm thinking like, oh well, you know, Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez, I can do it too, you know. But it's mm-hmm. it's actually it's incredibly taxing on you emotionally and 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 physically and everything. And I realized that um, I did. I did get it together outside of school uh, and make um, a short film with the help of the Rhode Island Film Collaborative, but then we really didn't have uh, anywhere for it to go. It really wasn't going to be marketed. It just kind of stayed maybe like on YouTube or whatever. So I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I still want to tell stories. Uh, I still want to write. I, I still have a lot of creative juice. And then I met Drew, and he's like, I have this character. He's a he's a mythical um, 
kind of Celtic Scottish uh, guy, and he has a three foot long beard with a hand at the end of it that has a mind of its own that he can use to drink beer and swing swords and let's tell an adventure story. So me being a fan of both um, crazy, you know, um, grisly action heroes, facial hair, and fantasy stories uh, uh, in, in the in the vein in the vein of um, um, you know Tolkien and you know things like that. Um, and also combined with the the comics that I just started to get into in the in the past couple years, I thought, well, let's do this. You know, we we have a lot of uh, energy and it's going in the right direction. Yeah, and it's very good too. We uh, we did, oh, thank you. We did re um, read it before. Um, oh, before thanks. The show today. That's, yeah, uh, that's reassuring. It'd be kind of crappy to get on the show and be like, yeah, guys, it's great, but uh, <laughs> we hate you, comic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually it actually is good. Uh, is there a uh, issue two coming out? There is. Yeah. It is it's uh, it's slowly in development, but it is coming out. And then, right, cool. um, yeah. We're actually trying to get a few a few issues printed for the SwanCon coming up. Yeah, in uh, late August. Yeah, right. that'll be that'll be pretty exciting. That'll be our first official con that we like went to and had a had a table at. Um, and then you know hopefully there's there's more from there. Okay. Mm. Yes. Um, uh, SwanCon is uh, basically it's going to be it's it's a library. It's the Swansea Public Library, and they're organizing basically a little comic con. I think they've been doing it for like three years or something like that. Yeah, right. It's, it's fairly new. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah it's fairly new, um, and. Uh, and they've been um, they've been really positive and and, and very uh, very encouraging about um, just getting new people in there and new you know new creators and stuff. And uh, it looks like we're probably going to sell some um, actual tangible books because right now our books are only available. Uh, Beard Fist and another um, one shot we did called Building Bridges. Uh, they're available right now on Comixology, but you can only read them uh, as digital files on your tablet or Nook or so on. Mm -hmm. um, so when we go to when we do the SwanCon thing, uh, we're actually going to have uh, con exclusives printed up, which are going to be we're going to try to have um, issue one of Beard Fist, and then when and then you flip it over, and then you'll have um, the uh, the Building Bridges, which is a fifteen or sixteen page uh, the one shot that we did. So it's going to be the con exclusive you can get there. Um, and we're also um, we're talking with another um, another comic book venue, a show in um, in Cambridge at Lesley University called the Mice Expo, the Massachusetts Independent Comic Book Expo, hmm. and uh, they're really cool. I've been there a few times, and uh, they're basically just um, just super welcoming to indie creators from the New England area. Some people even you know fly as far as you know they fly in or they you know they come in from Maine or something like that. It's it's a it's a big event. Um, it's a big event, but it's um it's a small space, but 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 a big event in terms of uh, the the creative potential and the talent that's that's there. And that's usually uh, it's, it's like a weekend. It's like a Saturday and a Sunday, usually uh, in October sometimes. So we're um. We're uh, in negotiations right now to get a table for that, too. So we're going to be looking at actually getting to cons and sitting down and shaking hands with people and uh, and promoting it that way, because it's the best it's the best way to meet people for them to actually pick up your book and say, like, you know, like, oh, what about this page? Or, or can you sign it, you know, online when people buy it from Comixology? There's no opportunity for us to um, put a personal touch on it and, you know, sign it and thank them, you know, with a little pen signature or something. So we're really looking forward to that. That's yeah, awesome. Totally, it's it's uh, it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice, awesome, and uh, and also, uh, yeah, great job on the first issue of A Legend of Beard Fist as well. Oh, thanks. Um, I also also really dig the art style, Drew. Like it kind of kind of reminds me of a uh, Scott Pilgrim. 
<laughs> it's actually it's uh, funny you mention that because that was one of the that's one of the main things that like gave me the idea of doing sort of a graphic novel type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, was was back in back in high school when I I saw the movie first. I wish I'd read the comics, but mm-hmm. the movie was what got me into the comics. So I guess it all nice. kind of comes around. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd seen Adventure Time, right? And I like, practiced doing that for mm-hmm. a while, and then I read Scott Pilgrim, and I loved that art style, so I practiced doing that as well. And then mm-hmm. I sort of tried to like like combine the two into my current art style. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's that's why you get the uh, the Scott Pilgrim vibes from it. Uh, nice. You should check out Hellion, um, Jim uh, Jim Savard's comic comic. You can actually buy it around the corner at Rock Coco's. And um, it, the style that style reminded me just as much as that one as well. So I was like, oh my god, this is like Jim Savard. They should read it. I wonder what they read it. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely check that one out. Nice. Oh, cool. Thanks. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, where, like, where did the actual like the concept of the character like came from? Um, actually, it's it's funny. The first time I drew him, uh, I have an old sketchbook, and I was just drawing a hipster. It was, it was, he started out almost the exact opposite of what he turned out to be, and he was just this uh, this hipster in a striped shirt. And I made his beard like go all around the page. It was it was it was super long, and I didn't know how to like finish off the beard, so I just like put a hand at the end, and then that was it, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I had I had I have a DeviantArt account, and then I was doing like an art trade with another person, and uh, they had a long list of things they wanted me to put in the drawing. Like we did that back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted something to sort of like wrap it all together. Yeah. So that was the, like the first official picture of Beard Fist that I did there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's just gone through several iterations since then. I've changed like the color of his shirt. I've changed, um, you know, like how big his muscles are and stuff. But the the inspiration for the character was literally just just a doodle in his. <laughs> wow, nice. Hey. I mean, that's, that's I think that's how the best ones get started. Like, uh, uh, shout outs to um, originator of the show, Aris. He says, "Hey guys, great comics combo." Oh, thanks. Nice, nice. awesome. And like, are there any uh, any graphic novels or any comics that, that inspire you guys to like come up for like with ideas or concepts or things that kind of like wow? You want to take that one first? Yeah, not so much uh, graphic novels that give me inspiration, uh, but it's more just like like other media, like uh, like the Lord of the Rings was a big inspiration. Mm. The, the scope of the story I want to tell, definitely. And, the uh, Hobbit, yeah, yeah definitely. And, and, and like Game of Thrones was mm-hmm. uh, like sort of the aesthetics for the for the world. I, I take a lot of inspiration from that one. Mm. Um, but like as, as far as comics go, none really come to mind. Mm. Uh, I, I could say maybe there's this other one by a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Jackie Musto, and uh, and she does one called K and P, but another one called Lady Skylark. Mm. And you can actually you can find her on uh, Instagram, I think, by the by the same name. Um, and uh, her Lady Skylark one is really the one that sort of like inspired me to uh, to to do the comics, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sounds she's she, she's been really supportive. <laughs> she's been really supportive too. I remember Drew introduced <laughs> I, introduced me to her at the, uh, the the last Mice Expo that we went to. Yeah, in, yeah, in, she was uh, in Cambridge. Yeah, mm-hmm. was her name Jackie Musto? Musto, okay, M U S T O, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually I was surprised to see her there because like I, she she's still a very local artist, so I wasn't I wasn't that surprised, but I I didn't know she was going to be there. Is the point? So it was it was a pleasant surprise when I saw her. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I was d- definitely going to say not not so much as far as like you know um, reading like Batman or Spider Man or something like that, but the person that actually uh, has been a great sounding board for me and has b- basically mentored me by saying you know you can do it and looking over some of my um, sample scripts before Beard Fist and so on. Uh, there's a woman, uh, her name is Jenny Wood, uh, and she does a comic. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Flutter. It. It's called Flutter. Are you familiar with Flutter? I, I have Flutter. Oh, okay, cool. Flutter's yeah. Really what happened was this is how I got into essentially you know I, I was interested in you know writing comics. 
comics, and we talked about doing Beard Fist. This was a couple of years ago, you know. And the and the one thing that really um, cemented it for me was I went to a Rhode Island Comic Con for the first time, and I met her, an artist. I met Jenny Wood, an artist alley, and um, and I basically just started an email relationship with her and saying like, you know, sending her sample um, comics and things like that, things that I'm writing, like just to see if, you know, my format was correct and if she thought, you know, if she liked, you know, the characters and so on or whatever. Um, and that just developed from there. I, I went to the Mice Expo and I saw her there and I, I, you know, bought her book. I contributed to her to her Kickstarter. And there was actually, this is really, really great too. I'm, I'm very proud of her because, you know, to know her because not only has she helped motivate me and get my foot in the door and 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 has and she's been a um uh, a big um a big supporter of just um trying d developing my raw talent you know mm -hmm. but there was also an article recently uh, that came out in the Hollywood Reporter where she and a bunch of other people are in talks to turn their comics into series i wow. believe that um if i'm not mistaken she is um going to um collaborate with someone to turn Flutter into a series that's, uh, I think maybe, if I get this correct, it's going to be written by the person who wrote uh, one of the Netflix series. What is that? Something 8? What's what's that series? Oh, Sense8. Sense8. Eight. Sense eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that uh, they're in talks to to basically adapt it into a television show. So that I think that awesome. I saw her name in the Hollywood Reporter. I'm like, I know this person. You know, I think I think that's really cool. You know, she's she's helped me along the way. She's very talented. And uh, and the art style of Flutter is absolutely incredible, done by an artist named uh, Jeff Jeff McComsey, uh, and and he's really great too. Um, so I guess as far as people, you know, that I've actually um, met and corresponded with, those people have really influenced me. Um, in, in terms of in a direct way as far as a um as far as motivating me to do more and to being like you know you can you can do this like you know just try right mm -hmm. um but as far as um beard fist um and the things that influence you know our characters and our background and and the surrounding um i really like celtic and scandinavian culture um, especially like, you know, kind of, you know, the, the Vikings and, you know, like the, you know, the, the black metal from, from, uh, overseas and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So I want, you know, I, um, I think as often as we can in Beardfest, I like to, like an issue too, there's like a fight scene that we have and there's a castle and stuff and I want it to be with swords and I like it to be like as metal as possible, like in quotes, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, literally and figuratively, like they're fighting with, you know, um, steel, you know, and, and iron weapons, but it's also, you know, influenced by um, how much I like, um, you know, Ronnie James Dio and Black Sabbath and stuff like that, you know, so it's, you know, so a lot of, uh, so a lot of different things. I would say, I would say music, Scandinavian culture, uh, you mentioned Lord of the Rings, so there's there's a lot of it in there, and and we also try to infuse a lot of a lot of humor in there too, because we don't want it to get too serious. We right. like to we like to whenever Beard Fist, um, you'll notice as you read these these issues, whenever Beard Fist like gets too serious and and gets too. Uh, too paternal in the group, you know, and, and and tries to be too much of like you know the 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 um the the dad with like you know um who's maybe. Uh, needs to loosen up and have some fun. Like he'll always be, he'll always be, you know, cut down whenever he gets too serious by either by either Chaparophilia or other two main characters. So. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the humor, the humor for it um, comes at least at least for me comes a lot from uh, this game called uh, Brutal Legend by Double Fine. Came mm -hmm. out like I don't know, like a decade or so ago. Oh yeah. Um, it's it's it completely undersold, but uh, it, it undersold. But it's such a it's such a great game. It's, it's like a hidden gem, and not enough people played it. But uh, aside from that, there's also uh, with with inspiration, Skyrim comes to mind for me. Um, 
don't know if you guys have ever played Skyrim. Oh, yeah. I've yeah, seen. Yeah. I've seen it. I haven't yeah. had a chance yeah. to play it yeah. yet. Yeah. But, see, see, that's that's one of those things that, um, you know, it, the world is is so like open and full of possibilities that you can have like an adventure that's not even part of a quest. And right. so I'll be I'll be just you know walking through the uh, like the Skyrim landscapes and you know I'll, I'll happen upon this guy and I help him out. Maybe he gives me some gold or something. But something will happen, and you know, I think to myself like. This would be really cool to write in like a beard fist story, you know. And so mm-hmm. sometimes those the like, those are the little things that inspire some s- entire story arcs, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of uh, friends from the show uh, wondering if you. Hold on, let me go back just a little bit. Whatever the question is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they said, "Have you guys?" This is from Aris. Have you guys heard of this little-known manga named Dragon Ball? I hear there's a hot oh, new video yeah. game coming out based on it. <laughs> They, they've been bothered because Victor's not a Dragon Ball fan at all, and I am. It's so I'm, uh, I'm amped for the. It's dra- okay, neither am I. You're oh. not a Dragon Ball fan at all. No, my buddy was growing up, and he was always he was always watching it when I was over his house. But like, I never pursued it outside of there. Mm. You know, every time I turned it on, it, there'd be some sort of fight going on that I didn't understand the motivations for. So I didn't really have that much emotional investment in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it this: the fight scenes were amazing, and the animation yeah. is really impressive. But. Uh, Again, I didn't really get into. Just it. wasn't your thing. Yeah. yeah. When I when I was in high school, I would hang out with the uh, the art kids. I was in like an advanced drawing class, and uh, and I would hang out with the kids that were into you know anime and things like that. So they got me what this was, these were, this was in the days of uh, of Toonami. So this was yeah. like this was like two thousand three, I would say, or something like that, right? On Cartoon Network. Yeah. Um. So I caught they're like you got to watch Dragon Ball Z. I'm like okay. So I caught it and I watched the the Majin Buu saga. So I think I watched mo- the most of that. And at the time, I was maybe like I don't know uh, 16, 15, 16. Something like that, yeah. and and I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, I really like this, you know. But I I'm also told by people too, because I kind of fell out of it. But I'm also told by people that like that's like the worst part of Dragon Ball Z. Like I I missed all the good stuff. I missed the Saiyans. I missed Frieza. I, I missed everything. Like I I got to it way too late, you know. You can always watch back. Yeah. You can always look back and watch. Yeah. But um, no, I, I I am a fan of uh, anime as well. It's 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 not necessarily a direct influence um, on Beard Fist, but I am a fan of. Um, uh, I think we both like you like Miyazaki, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Spirited Away and things yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. and uh, and Atomo Akira and things like that. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm we're kind of open to 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 all things. Okay, and uh, Furman also wants to know: Are you vamp or werewolf in Skyrim? Werewolf. Werewolf. There you got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was just a dark elf. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, is uh, Beardfist is going to have, like, a backstory? Because I'm kind of curious, like, how did he get a fist in his beard? Like, well, that's see, a lot. We're, we're kind of debating on actually, like, telling people how it happened or just yeah. letting people wildly speculate. Because I think that's almost more fun than knowing. That, uh, that, that is true, because DC have done, has done the same thing with the Joker. Like, yeah. there's no mm-hmm. official backstory. Yeah. just he's just there. Well, the first the first thing that comes to mind when, when I would think about you know sometimes like the the downfall of doing a backstory that explains everything would be the Halloween movies. I know this is in no way related to Beard Fist, but just bear with me here. Um, like the the Halloween directed by uh, by John Carpenter, like yeah. you know Michael um, Michael Myers is you know killing everybody, and we don't know why. And, mm-hmm. and that's really, really scary. And then we got the remake that Rob Zombie did, mm-hmm. and he gave Michael a backstory, and I thought in a way that took away something from it. Like, it, t- yeah. it took away the mystery. Yeah. So if any, it, it's, always a, it's always a balancing act. It's always some kind of a slippery slope as far as um, giving a character a backstory, how far you want to go into it, and how much you want to leave up to the audience in, ter- in, in the realm of uh, b- it being uh, mysterious. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm I'm for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a this is a cartoon on right now. A lot of people probably know about it. Uh, Steven Universe, right? That's a show completely based around mystery. There's there's all this um, there's all these questions about like you know. Uh, what happened with the gem war and where did this character come from and you know why did this character do this and you know for a couple of seasons it's fun having those those questions but after a while you do get tired of just the constant mystery sometimes you need answers right and then even when they give you answers they still don't give you like the full answer so there's more to go back to you know so I think that's that's the kind of direction we'd probably take it in. Like, like if we gave him any sort of answers, it would be very slim pickings. I mean regardless I'm still going to read it but well, yeah. <laughs> hope so yeah Awesome, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, like, well, with um, like, I, I also agree, like, too much backstory could definitely ruin the mystique of a character. Yeah. Um, like, for example, like you mentioned the Halloween movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, uh, like the first Halloween, like, like Myers, he didn't know why he killed. Oh, like, yeah. like in the first, like the first opening scene was like you saw him as a child. Yeah murdering i think it was his sister yeah and that alone was a scary enough oh yeah and then halloween 2 happened where it's like oh they she oh he's actually related to jamie lee curtis's character and it's like oh okay yeah we're right <coughs> 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 vader. that was weird <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah vader uh oh speaking of which um uh, are you guys a f- uh, you guys are star wars fans oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, big time big time we go. Uh, are, you, are you guys fans of the prequels um Mm. I'm not a fan of episode one, but mm. episode two and three, like separately from episode one, mm-hmm. they're just fine. I like parts. I like parts of episode mm-hmm. one. I, I uh, my favorite thing about episode one is definitely Darth Maul, and I'm like really thrilled in getting back to comics. I'm really thrilled that somebody's writing. A, I think there may be um, there there are a couple issues into a new Darth Maul comic book, and mm-hmm. I think that's really really cool because I I definitely I don't think that um, I think uh, if anything I think that character was wasted. Oh, I, yeah. I think that I'm just like like if. I really think that they really should have kept him for the first movie and then maybe like the ultimate, you know, Darth, you know, when Darth Maul gets dispatched would be like the climax of the second one or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, without getting getting too much into it, um, I like parts of the prequels um, and I like how dark the um, the Revenge of the Sith got, but mm-hmm. overall I just, I, I, I've seen Star Wars movies that are better put together, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Um, like for for me, like the original trilogy and of and episode seven, those are the ones that can't be beat. And yeah. I'm looking forward to Last Jedi, which comes out in oh, December. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, especially watching the 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 latest one, Force Awakens. It actually for me kind of exposed just how I'd say just how creatively useless the prequels are. Yeah. I mean, the prequels have have yeah. great elements to them, but for me, as I mentioned, the the, the prequels had uh, great ideas but just terrible execution. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where I mean, it was interesting seeing, you know, seeing Anakin's fall from grace, but the way it was handled, it yeah. was like that one scene where he killed Mace Windu, and then he decided, okay, I'm Darth, Darth Vader now. It's like... Well, uh, you want to talk about prequels, though. How'd you feel about Rogue One? Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because I, I, I liked I, it. I, I was going to bring it up. I, I, I liked it. I thought, yeah. it was a, I thought it was an enjoyable movie. Yeah. I thought, I thought Rogue One, it was entertaining, yeah. but wasn't it, wasn't, it, was it an essential film? It wasn't. Like, no, no, absolutely not. It, it, if the only thing it really added was explaining why the Death Star had such a weird weakness, yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, but besides that, I, I still enjoy the adventure, mm-hmm. you know. I, I did too. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen like those characters kind of fleshed out more, but I knew like you know they pretty much all. As far as the whole yeah. package, though, would you agree that it is the best Star Wars film since Return of the Jedi? Uh, Rogue One. Yeah. I would say I would say Force Awakens easily. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but I gotta I gotta agree with him on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um. Um. Speaking of uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, 
uh, prequels. Uh, what do you guys think about the upcoming Han Solo uh, feature? I haven't heard enough about it to really like form an opinion yet. Who's playing Han Solo? Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. He was in um, Hail Caesar, a uh, Coen oh. Brothers movie. I'm I'm not down for it. I'm I'm I'm, re- I'm really not. I'd actually I was telling someone this the other day. I'd actually rather see um, a Boba Fett film mm-hmm. or so- somebody that. Um, just never really got enough time because as much as people let, let love Boba Fett, he's really only has you know a few lines in the Star Wars world. He's only kind of in the background, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in and uh, allegedly like the expanded universe or whatever, like how he escaped the Sarlacc pit. There's a lot of there's a lot. Of, it's it's very rich for for story there. Oh yeah. Um, or maybe even incorporating some of the other bounty hunters too, like IG88 and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so Han Solo movie, eh, not so much for me. Yeah, and plus like all the uh, behind the scenes drama. I don't know if you guys have yeah. read about it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently um, the the original directors of uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. they got canned, and, and then they got Ron Howard came in, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, because apparently um, Lord and Miller they were directing it in the style of their original comedies. Yeah, like it was like more improv than mm-hmm. going off script. Um, there were some reports that uh, Alden Ehrenreich had to hire an acting coach because his performance became more like. Hanso Ace Ventura, and it was like, well, it was that, that, which makes me, which makes me kind of curious in a morbid way. He's <laughs> gonna start yeah, talking with a, his ass. If it was like a parody <laughs> film, you know, maybe. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna see it because I really want to see Donald Glover as Lando. Mm. I, I think I'm, I'm optimistic about that. But as a whole film, um, again, like I said, not so much. But um, I mean, I have complete faith in Ron Howard as a filmmaker. Like, yeah. I think, I think he's very, very talented. Mm. I just don't know if Ron Howard's the best fit for a Star Wars film. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could agree with that. Though. Like his his um, Lang, his, you know, his uh, stuff that he's done with the Robert Langdon trilogy, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have yet to see Inferno, mm-hmm. but um, I love those movies. Those are some of my favorites. So him doing a Star Wars, I just don't really see no, I, like I, his style. No, I like Ron Howard. Too. I mean, one of my favorite movies of the past couple of years has been Frost Nixon. Frost Nixon was incredible, with, oh, yeah. where Frank Langella played uh, Richard Nixon, and and mm-hmm. what's his name? Um, uh, Michael Sheen was yep. uh, David Frost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, Rush was pretty underrated too. Yeah, I still need to see that. Yeah, I, I did want to see that. Mm-hmm. I did want to see that. Yeah. Now, yeah, what was that? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. oh. so so maybe that undercuts my whole argument. He, he so he has done fantasy adventure movies before. Uh, so. Okay. okay. Well, well, uh, full. I've I still haven't seen Willow. I haven't either. Yeah, that's why I couldn't comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now. Drew, we had this, we had this conversation before you, um, before we aired. Mm-hmm. Drew, you Marvel or DC? Marvel, all the way. Thank. It's <laughs> a well, good high five too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, does, does I mean, well, okay, well, what 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 makes you prefer Marvel over DC? Quality. Okay. That's a good enough answer. <laughs> <laughs> you can't okay. be better than that. You DC can't. has has Batman, and Batman is is super badass, but. Mm-hmm. All of their other heroes are, are kind of, they're almost overpowered now, especially Superman. Like, is, there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing he can't do to the yeah. point where it becomes boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll agree, a lot of the Marvel comics have been meh over the past couple of years, but I think if you, if you take it from, like, like, when they started to where they are now, there's a lot more uh, hits than misses. Mm-hmm. And especially with the, the cinematic universe they have going, uh, it's just it's way stronger than DC's. DC started too late, and they're trying to play catch-up, when really they should have just taken the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. And then they would have just they would have been a little bit behind, but that's that's it, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I I mean I I would say that uh, 
of Marvel. Marvel has DCB in terms of the, their films, even though even though um, the MCU can be criticized for taking the safe route more often than not. Mm. Than not. It's Disney. You know, they're going to do it. I'll, they got to do DC it. this. Like if DC yeah. this. Their animated films are always top quality. Like mm. they just they just blow the Marvel animated films out of the water. Okay. Oh, yeah. I agree. Every time. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't seen Justice League Dark. I, I've heard that was that's really good. good. Yeah. That one I've heard is yeah. good. That's if excellent. You, if you watch yeah. the second half of The Killing Joke, that's the only part you really need to see. Just skip over the Batgirl monologue. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. That's, it's just mm. filler. Um, it's still fine in its own right, but it, it doesn't mm. belong tacked onto The Killing Joke. Yeah. yeah. And plus, I heard that there was like some weird sex scene between Batgirl and Bruce There's Wayne. sex scene. It is very weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I cheered. It's back, Get back, it, Batman. back again to what yeah. we were talking about before yeah. the podcast about how um, DC is always taking more chances. You know what I mean? They're always mm-hmm. willing to take like a bigger risk and 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 risk some kind of controversy or critical backlash. You know, even yeah. in animated films. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is true. But don't you think they could have been for at least for the um, for the feature movies? Do you think they could have been planned out much better? Well, the thing about the Killing Joke is like everyone forgets how short that book is. Yeah. It so is. like, if you did it as a feature film, like just the book, the way yeah, that Alan 20, Moore it would be wrote like it, twenty minutes. Yeah, it yeah. would be th- at the most thirty-five minutes. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not very long at all. So they had to they had to do something with it, uh, regardless of you know how people felt about it. Yeah. Mm. Um. So I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the question now. No. I'm just oh, <laughs> about, about Marvel and DC. Oh, we are. Well, yeah. You, uh, go ahead, Marvel and DC. Um, films. Uh, uh DC. Uh, because. Mm. Um, I like slow, depressing foreign films, uh, and I like, and I, and I, and I like. He's been pointing at Victor, and and I depressing. So so so, uh, what's even better than a movie that's done in Hollywood that's slow, depressing, and involves superhero characters? You know. Well, I mean, I mean that 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 is a valid point. Um, I, I will say, um, if you were talking about DC as a whole, um, mm. like you, then you could you could make a compelling case, if, especially if you can conclude like Christopher Nolan's Batman films, uh, the first two Richard Donner films. Well, if, you, well, if we if we want to draw the line, I would say that from Man of Steel on, everything mm-hmm. has been very um, uh, slow and depressing, and, re- and requires a lot of a lot of heavy lifting, and isn't definitely not as light as as light and jovial as a Marvel film. I will I will concede that, mm-hmm. That's true. That's um, true. but I don't mind that. You know, well, so uh, I, I think it's just more of a what what the what a um, what an audience expects going into a film. Mm-hmm. When you hear superhero, fil- I have this discussion with people all the time. When you hear superhero film, um, people immediately, most people immediately think of Marvel. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be light. It's going to be flashy. There are going to be a lot of you know big uh, um, action set pieces and so on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, superhero movie. Uh, kind of has that connotation of that superhero equals Marvel. So mm-hmm. when it when that doesn't happen, people are kind of thrown off guard. And I think that's a lot of what DC does. They throw people off guard. But it, me personally, I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I can I can respect the creative risks. Um, yeah. uh, I, I will say that uh, of of all the films in the DCEU so far, Wonder Woman is easily the best one uh, mm. by yeah, default. I, I keep hearing that, but I still haven't seen it. Oh man, you, you've you've okay, got it. You've I got it. I won't spoil it. Don't listen to it. Our Wonder Woman at spoiler episode. But. Yes, uh, our Wonder Woman episode. We do get into a spoiler review, yeah. so I recommend listening to that after watching the film. Um, I will say, uh, Wonder Woman is the best DCEU film by default because it's the only one that's not outright terrible. 
Is um, that also the only one not directed by Christopher Nolan or the other guy, the uh, Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder. Snyder. That's not, I always get them mixed up. Yeah. yeah. The, what, what's her name? Um, oh, Patty. Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. The only yep. movie she had done before Wonder Woman. I'm pretty sure that was that was a, a mainstream thing that everybody knew was Monster. Yeah. With Charlie Theron, right? Yep. Yeah. And that was excellent. So I mean, mm-hmm. what I did was I actually watched Monster before I went to see. I know it had it, it was in no way related, but I watched mm-hmm. Monster just because I wanted before I went to see Wonder Woman because I wanted to see just her style, like what she was all about, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's good. I have I have faith in her as a director. I liked Wonder Woman. Very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. And now she's supposed to be doing more DC, more Wonder Woman DC yeah. projects, correct? Yeah, I believe that she's tapped for Wonder Woman 2 that comes out 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, the, uh, Carl here uh, underrated the worth of Wonder Woman, in, in my view. But uh, that's why we can agree to disagree. Yeah, we definitely are going to agree to disagree. I still don't... Um, I thought the movie was. I thought the movie was good, you know, up until up until the end. Well, one, oh, of, the, one of the one of the podcasts I was listening to you guys uh, before before we were on the show when I was uh, when I was um, uh, researching. I bet ba- we were basi- arguing on. Huh? No, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, I just I wanted to see what you guys are about, you know. So and and you guys, you were going off and just yelling and cursing about your you're, you're like you're like Wonder Woman is awesome, you know, and then, and then you didn't like it. <laughs> it I didn't like it. I was just like. Or you didn't right. think it lived up to the hype and everything. Mm. It did, but then it had it has its flaws. Like it has its major flaws. Like it would require me to spoil it for you, and I'm I do yeah. not want to do that. Mm. Just if you don't want to spoil it for the for the podcast, then I get it. But honestly, I've heard enough things about it. It's basically spoiled. You can talk about it. For oh, okay. Reason. All right. The guy the guy at the end turns out is some guy who looks like um because I'm forgetting I'm it's been a while since I've yeah. seen it, so I'm forgetting names. The guy that looks like Nigel Thornberry. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, David. Can, yeah, can yeah. I say it? Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, D- David yeah. Thewlis is turns out to be is is revealed that they do a bait and switch with the audience, and David Thewlis is turns out to be Ares. Right, and there's an amazing fight sequence. I um, didn't think so. Oh, you didn't like I it? I think it just really got cheesy. It's like it's really? it, to me, it just seems like they were running out of money. It was literally like Suicide Suicide Squad. Hmm. It had a pretty strong start, but then after a while, it just began. It just it just got real 1997 CGI cheesy with mm. Enchantress well, trying to pop lock and whatever. Well, right? I, no, no, it was not, it was not that bad. I mean, Suicide Squad was terrible on all fronts, but I will say that the I, I give you that in that the 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 climactic fight scene in Wonder Woman it did kind of it did kind of devolve somewhat into like a CG light show mm-hmm. like you see in Guardians and many of the of the MCU films. Yeah. But the drama behind the characters actually elevated it because you know Steve Trevor you know fought the good fight. And you know, it kind of gave it that, that 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 pathos that it needed. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely understood that. But just like the final, you know, because if you're gonna do like a fight scene at the end, like a climatic fight scene, like it has to be, it has to be big. It has to like keep me in there. And then like it just kind of lo- it just kind of lost me. Like it just really looked like they ran out of money. No, no, I, I I disagree. I mean, I mean, I will I will say that. I mean the. I mean, you're speaking about the the Wonder Woman fight scene, uh, like like it ended like a like a Lesnar Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. But anyway, but but anyway, we will we will we will table this for another for another time. Um, uh, I'm a diehard Undertaker fan, so he oh he always has to like jab at the Taker every chance he gets. Yeah, um, uh, for for those uh for those uh of our listeners who don't know who the Undertaker is, he, he was a he was an old man who stuck around in the ring for for like ten years too long. But anyway, and all his best matches were later on in his career. Yeah, sure. And the uh, supervillain John Aponic says Suicide Squad has an Oscar. It does. It does. It, <laughs> it, 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 it won for what makeup? I think right. Yeah, like makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, well, because of it inspired a bunch of uh, Harley Quinn cosplays. It did last year. Yeah, it did. But um, it really did. Yeah. Um, oh, Some were good. Some just had no business being Harley Quinn. You yeah. know, that, that's kind of the same with all cosplays, though. Mm. You know, some some oh, are yeah. just amazing, and others are like, "Did you just did you just buy some some shit at the store?" No, nah, I literally mm. when we was talking to um, Curtis before we came here. Like I literally, like I, at Comic Con, I saw this girl who was dressed up as Harley Quinn when she probably should have been dressed up as BB-8. Come on, that's mean. <laughs> that that cut is hashtag it's, fat shaming. Don't don't do that. <laughs> But uh, uh well, I I think if I think basically if if you're cool and you're respectful and you're confident in what you're wearing, you know you're you you're, know, you're good with yourself, you're good with everybody else. I think you can cosplay as whatever you want. Which you know? is true. I, th- yeah. I think that's I think that's fine. Which is true, but I was just like, uh, I don't know. It, yeah, I'm the bad guy. Just <laughs> yeah, you are the bad guy. <laughs> it, just, it, just was, it just wasn't your thing, you know. Right. Right. It, it, it didn't appeal to different, me. Different strokes to different mm. folks, folks, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever gotten to cosplaying or wearing costumes for fun? You know, I've actually I've, I've thought about it for a few cons we've been to, we've been to but mm-hmm. all the cosplays I want to do is just way too much work, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not motivated enough. I'm like, like I want to wear it, I don't want to make it. Yeah, so I agree. That's, that's my yeah. main hangup. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you there. Like, there's a lot of like excellent cosplays, but I'm looking at them. It's like, man, the dedication and the time and the resources and the money that you oh, yeah. poured in. My friends that cosplay, it's like all they do. Um, it's impressive, but it's like, wait, you don't do anything else, though. Mm. Yeah, I've seen, so yeah, we have a few friends, and like, I follow my Instagram, I follow her on Instagram, her name's Carmen, and I'm just like, like, the amount of things that she puts into, and just the, like, even the smallest details, she yeah. puts, like, so much effort into it. If, like, if you're talented, and you're creative, and, you know, you can make a good costume, and, you, and you're good at marketing, and so on, and you have a Patreon, you basically don't have to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Pretty uh, work, much. Uh, work, work, mm-hmm. I mean, work like, you know, a job, you know, um, you know, at the, at tearing movie theater tickets or something. You know what I mean? Like, you can yeah. you can really monetize if you're, you know, if you're into that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, as far as cosplay goes, uh, I really think there's a fine line with me because um, we're trying to be as, like, professional as possible. Like, when we go to cons and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, me too. Wouldn't it, do, do we talk about this? How, like, being dressed up is, like, like say, I, you know, if I was dressed up like, you know, Green Lantern or something like that. But I was also, like, trying to, you know, meet maybe a um, maybe a, a famous artist or writer or something. Or I was trying to pitch my book to somebody. Like, I am still kind of dressed like <laughs> Green Lantern. You know? Like, yeah, we, I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just, I, I find it, you know, so I, I just kind of try to... Um, Whenever I'm at a con, I kind of I, I I rock like a superhero T-shirt or something, but I I've never really go it's the full subtle. the full cosplay because I because I've got um because I'm there to network. I've got business cards to hand out. You exactly. Know? I'm, 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 I'm there to I'm there to meet people and and get cool signed uh, m- uh merch. You know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Like uh, my my birthday is like literally around Halloween, so yeah. I have a big costume party every year. My birthday party, I'm going. I'm, you know, I'll put my effort in and yeah. stuff. Comic Con, yeah. Rhode Island Comic Con is literally right after, and I'm like, oh, okay, got my Codex shirt, let's go. Cool. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, like I've always, I have a couple of ideas for for cosplays, or you know, rather my, like I, I don't want to say half-assed, but like something that something practical. Because uh, you know, at the because like, I I would like to go all out at the same time, but at the same time, like I don't want to break the bank to do so. Yeah, and Actually, uh, that reminds me of another another fun uh, cosplay that I, I've seen people do mm-hmm. is if they can't afford to do something like really flashy, mm-hmm. they go hard the other way. They do something that looks that purposely looks really crappy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and they almost like make a joke out of it. Like uh, seeing some like bad Iron Man where it's like they just like cut holes out of a bucket, put it on the head, mm-hmm. like, like pan or something on the chest. Yeah. Like, oh, I kind of respect. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of respect that even more though. You know what I mean? Because it's it's kind of like yeah, they like get creative with how bad they can or how like like functional they can make the costume out of. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true, and it can just be reference to. I don't know. Have you guys seen? Uh, I don't even know if this was a real like seventies Avengers movie. Okay. But there was like a little trailer of it, and Iron Man was just literally like. Like a bucket, yeah. Another bucket, yeah. maybe know. two no, more I, buckets. I never, no, I never, I never saw that. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to YouTube. Awful. I'm gonna have to YouTube that. Do that. Mm. I think it's like a 1978. It was, it was really Avengers. generous calling that Iron Man. Yeah, mm. it yeah. was. He was like garbage can man. He was. Yeah, yeah. he looked like the uh, the robot from uh, Lost in Space. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah, you really nailed it on that one. Mm. <laughs> or you could just like wear, just wear like a. Uh, Leather jacket, some black jeans, and just like have cat makeup on and be like, I'm Catwoman. What's yeah. What's even funnier though is how like even like if we go back to Star Wars and kind of you know um, uh, passionate DIY filmmaking and being creative, like if you go back and watch Star Wars and like the the original ones from like you know the 70s and 80s, you know the, the trilogy that everyone respects, mm-hmm. some of the droids in the background are like recycle bins yeah. like that they just painted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, some things like um, I was I was reading. Um, I was reading You're Never Weird on the Internet Almost, which is Felicia Day's uh, kind of memoir about how she got started uh, with um, um, kind of uh, YouTube shows and, and kind of, you know, uh, a social media entrepreneur in a way. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that she got a tour of, um, you know, uh, ILM, Skywalker Ranch, you know, Lucasfilm and everything. And uh, sh- she got to, like, you know, touch, like, you know, the you know the Death Star, the Death Star 2 and all this kind of stuff. And then one of the things that she saw was, like, some prop and all it was with the guy's just like oh yeah well that's that's just a dixie cup that we painted you know i, I couldn't believe mm. it you know so it's mm. so even even in movies that we really respect and we think have such great special effects and star wars won several oscars when it came out blew everybody away mm. if you look close enough they're using painted dixie cups and those wow. dixie cups are probably worth oh yeah millions oh yeah <laughs> man yeah it's just creativity by necessity oh yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah mm. wow now, have you guys um, checked out those San Diego Comic Con trailers? Of anything? Or just anything. Like, which one, like, stood out to you? Uh, I loved the new Thor trailer. That was pretty great with it. I like Hulk it. Speaks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was probably my favorite out of the whole con. Mm. I, I hear that they, they got a new, like, uh, Infinity War trailer that they won't release online. Yeah. I'm just, I'm itching to see that. It, Me too. Now, it was leaked. Badly foot. It's like somebody just hid behind like a wall or something and just got their camera phone out. From what I saw, it looks amazing. Oh, yeah, I bet it yeah, is. I mean, yeah. it's the worst crappy leak ever. I agree. I appreciate as a fan. I greatly appreciate him. I appreciate the effort, mm-hmm. and I was able to see something. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch it if it was just a footage of uh, some guy's phone like halfway out of his shirt. I can't even see the other half of the screen. That's every, literally every, what it is. Every, That's literally every what it thing, is. Everything I, I click on online, that I think it's like it, it gets blocked. Maybe it, maybe it was the guy in the homemade Iron Man costume, like he was disguising himself as a trash can and just like you know, like <laughs> like that's Possibly. like 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 what's that? Oh, that's just another. You know, the people are getting really messy. That's just another garbage can, and then no one's looking. He pops his hand up. You know, just in like solid snake. <laughs> what? Just goes in like solid. He snake. goes in like he goes in like solid snake. All of a sudden, you hear like. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's completely uh, like the trailer's off of YouTube. Yeah, because Disney came in and said, "No, nah, we're not oh, having yeah. it." Oh yeah, but like you can still find it on other sites, like mm-hmm. on our Facebook page. I try to 
post up everything I could possibly get from San Diego Comic Con. Like my phone was blowing up that entire weekend. It was it was exhausting. Yeah. Now I will I will say um, with the with the Infinity War um, and, and we and we mentioned this on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago um, since since Mar- since the MCU they've made it enjoyable but but movies are taking the safe route for the most part since it's, since this is the conclusion the culmination of, of this twenty two movie arc I do want to see some major character deaths at the end of of, of the next four, two I Avengers films so, really in Infinity War feeling Tony's yeah. not going to make it out of this one I hope not. I don't think Cap's going to make it out of this one mm. well their character well their contracts are up it's true yeah yeah. It's true. It's also going to be really interesting to see the Guardians of the Galaxy um, with you know with the Avengers because um, the, the the tone is so I don't want to say different, but I mean, but it is it's a different vibe. I'll say you know when, yeah. when you watch the movies, you know, based on uh, like Falcon's reaction to Spider Man in Civil War, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how he reacts to like Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, hilarious. Oh yeah, I want to <laughs> I want to see like Iron Man meet Groot. You know what I mean? It's going to be like you know one guy's just like you know so well spoken and so you know whatever, and the other guy's just like Groot. You know, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Um, but uh, with uh, oh the question oh, with regard to trailers and so on. Yeah. Um, apart from you know I, I really apart from the big ones like I want to I want to see Black Panther that looks really great. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Justice League obviously. But the thing honestly that came out of Comic Con that I'm the most excited about is the Rocco's Modern Life TV movie. <laughs> Wow. I completely forgot about that. I did too. I, I, did too. I, I think that it, looks it, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Rocco's Modern Life fan. I was in the mm. 90s. I, I, I am now. Childhood in the so 90s. It is, it is, like, a, yeah. it is like, a, like a movie, though, not like a whole show. No, they're doing no, it's it, a it's, movie. It, Yeah, they're basically doing a movie, and it's going to be satirizing a lot of the, the things um, uh, uh, that are problematic in today's society. They're going to be they're going to be riffing on iPhones and energy drinks and exactly. the fact that there's wow. a Starbucks everywhere and, and this and this and that. Like one of the funniest mm-hmm. things in the trailer. First of all, it's like the voices are all they got the same voice cast. I mean, Joe Murray, the the showrunner for Rocco, the the creator, yep. he's he's totally behind it and giving his thumbs up and everything. Mm. Um and the thing in the trailer, which was hilarious, was like you know people are taking all these like energy drinks and everything, and then they're like they're like it's radioactive, and they're starting to grow like different heads, and like they're just you know it's gonna be, it's still gonna be I guess within a medium of like you know kids like you know, you can be thirteen to watch it or something like that. Right, right. But I've always respected the way that they can put adult humor in that. And and still slip it under the radar, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It so. was tons of it. Like, it was. Dude, I yeah. mean, it was. Rocco was a phone sex operator. It's true. Yep. There was there was that. There was an episode where they referenced The Shining, where Hitler be uh, Hitler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hitler. No, there was never Hitler was never on Rocco's Modern Life. They never went. They never went that dark. That was that was not Nickelodeon. Uh, where Heffer, excuse me, yeah. where Heffer was a security guard, and they parodied The Shining. Uh, where I sell my soul for a milkshake, and then that guy shows up with flavor heifer, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and uh, they were doing things like that all the time. They they parodied uh, Psycho and all kinds of. Uh, I mean, it's it, it was a brilliant show that was very ahead of its time. So I'm excited that they're bringing it back, but they're not overdoing it. It's going to mm. be like maybe an hour and twenty minute movie or something like that. Yeah, and, it's going to be on and then, and then that's yeah. it. You know, so that's I think that's cool. It's like, hey, the fans want it. We're gonna you know riff on today's society, and we're out. You know? Oh, see, uh, that's awesome. Rock was my life. That was, that was a little bit before my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one movie I'm really excited about that was released at uh, San Diego was the uh, new Hey Arnold movie coming out. I was, was like just late, getting ready to mention late that. Late 90s, early 2000s. That was like, mm. like my childhood. Yeah. 
and uh, and and Hey Arnold was was always just a great show for me because because it had those funny moments, but it also had like those those real like down to earth heart to heart moments. It did. That, mm-hmm. that kept like, the character and really strong character uh, relations and everything. And uh, and I guess when they made when they made the first movie. It wasn't the actual movie they actually they wanted to make. It was it was the one the studio wanted them to make. They always right. wanted to have this one where like Arnold and his friends go to the jungle and find Arnold's parents, and it's gonna be like this big climax to the whole show. And that's the one they're making now, and I'm really yeah. I'm you really think that's you think that's usually a problem since you mentioned how like it's what the studio wants. Do you yeah. think that's a huge problem problem in Hollywood where it's like the studios, the well, what I always call the suits, they yeah. they automatically assume this is what. This is what we. This is what the the fans want, and this is what we're gonna get. Yeah. For example, you know the horrible Fantastic Four movies. Um, yeah. I can relate. I seen your eyes roll. <laughs> um, let me see what they've been doing with the DCEU, you know, and you know the X Men franchises. It's like it's all the suits. But then when you finally decide to listen to the fans, you get hits like Deadpool. You get hits like Logan and stuff. You really find oh, yeah. that that's a huge problem in Hollywood. I don't know if it's if it's a huge problem all around, but I think it is definitely something that's uh, crippling uh, creativity and and like true inspiration. Because mm-hmm. you have you have these filmmakers like like passionate people who who want to work on the project and have the, all these great ideas, and then you have like you call them the suits coming in and they have the, their charts and their graphs and be like, well, people are into this right now, so this is what the movie should be about. And it's like, how about you let them do their own thing and maybe people will be into this now. You know, maybe this will be the new trendsetter if you just let them do what they want mm-hmm. you know like i i don't want them i don't i don't think people should have like you know uh insane movies that like uh like like just the shining but like turned up to 10 mm-hmm. but definitely i think i think we need to give filmmakers and and you know people like that like more creativity over their own projects okay mm. i i agree too especially when you have uh studios like marvel who hire like independent filmmakers who would never who would you would never associate with big budget filmmaking like for example um the directors of Captain Marvel Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck who directed Half Nelson and Sugar Oh I didn't know that. Yeah, they're directing a Captain Marvel yeah. and then you have um Ryan Coogler uh, right, Ryan, Ryan Coogler doing Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. Doing Black yeah. Panther. So, yeah. His Creed um, was so good, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh yeah. And then you have Fruitville um, Station. Yeah. Yep. I haven't seen that yet but it's on my list, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um and then for a while you had Edgar Wright who who was the original director yeah. of, of Ant-Man, who yep. left because of creative differences. Mm. Yeah, it's like it, it. kind of does it remind you of like back in the uh, back in the seventies when the indie people were kind of getting through the cracks in the Hollywood wall. You know what I mean? How they mm-hmm. had like how you know Francis Coppola was basically directing you know the Rain People and you know the conversation and you know things like that. And then they're like you know we're gonna have you do the Godfather. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or or you know George Lucas like had just made a few student films. Like we're gonna give him a chance and do this big budget movie. Like it does it does yeah. kind of feel like that again doesn't it where like the indie people are kind of scaling the wall or they're kind of getting in by like the, through the back door yeah it kind of feel kind of feels like that i, de- I definitely see that because in the 70s like you got a lot of like novice filmmakers at the time who are legends today and like right. um and, and hollywood it was a remarkable that that's why they call it new hollywood at the time they, yeah. they took a chance on these filmmakers um i'll say that the one key difference though is that um they're hiring like nowadays, you have studios who hire those types of filmmakers who are mm-hmm. uh, who are independent or mid-budget, low-budget, mm-hmm. and uh, because they know, because studios know that they don't have any clout to push back creatively, and so it's like, well, we can we can give you some rain here, but this is this is what we want. It's like mandated filmmaking yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, and also back in the day, I mean, it's always been a monetary and a marketing issue too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like the more money that the a studio is going to put into a project. Mm-hmm. The more the more hands in the pie or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
the more you have to listen to what the suits have to say, the more yeah. you have to take their notes, the more you have to, you know, if something um, is messing with the marketability or whatever of the, of the movie, like, you know, they, they're going to make you take that out. So that you have a, you, so the more money, basically, the, the equation is the more money you put into something, the less creative control you're going to have. So I think mm. that's really, um, really the scale that you're working on, you're, something you have to balance now and just it's the way it's always been, just, you know, whenever yeah. someone contributes money to an artistic endeavor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you have, like, the few filmmakers like Christopher Nolan who actually yeah. strikes that ideal balance between oh, yeah. creativity and commercial success. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah that's he does. I can't, I, I can't really deny that. I, I think, the, okay, it's been a while since I watched a Christopher Nolan movie, but mm. a great one, for example, um, Inception. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, Excellent. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. commercial yep. success. Uh, if if I decide to get bored, I'm like, hey, let me throw an exception. It's kind of like one of the best indie, f- like it's it's that indie film feel, but mm-hmm. with a really big budget, right? You know, yeah. which is which is really hard to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and and uh, and also I w- I would throw him in there maybe to a certain degree, Darren Aronofsky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, what's he What's he done? Uh, he's done uh, the Wrestler, Black oh. Swan, okay. uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yep, oof, which is that's heavy. Yeah. Extremely, I recommend it. Oh, I, oh, I do too, but I don't yeah. know if I could ever watch it again. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like I've only watched Requiem for a Dream once, oh, and, me I, too. and it's I still remember because of how st- intense it was. Yeah. Oof. Now, was that the movie that you me- mentioned last week where you would only like watch it once because it was like so like yeah. dark? Oh no, it was a uh, taste. No, it was a dancer in the in the dark. Yeah, that's Lar- incredibly heavy as well. That's yeah, Lars von Trier. Well, I mean, all of Lars von Trier's movies are heavy. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a there's a whole bunch of movies. Like there's a a running a running uh, a joke on on the podcast is that um, Carl Carl and our and our former uh, co-hosts uh, accuse me of liking movies with uh, that have extremely depressing themes or any movie that features a character that suffers from a terminal disease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, track record shows it. I, I see. I disagree. I, 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 I'm st- I go. You can go back on any episode. I, I I challenge you to go back on any episode. And re- and just write down your fi- look, listen to your film re- film reviews, mm-hmm. and majority of them that you the ones that you like all have cancer. Not all of them. I mean, Nocturnal Animals. Well, that's one. Um, see, there you go. I still have to see that. That that's like yeah. that's one of the. I, I have a feeling that's one of the best movies that just that I just missed. Like just because I just didn't get a chance to see it, and mm-hmm. I just and I still I, every time I see somebody post about it, I'm always like. I still have to see it, you know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's awesome. Oh yeah. yeah, especially Michael Shannon. Oof. Oh yeah, he was really great. Yeah. How about this then? Uh, Breaking Bad. What'd you think? Oh, this is actually my favorite television series. Yeah. Of all yeah. time. Yeah. Me too. My yeah. Fa- yeah, mine I, too. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I can watch it again. It's what? it's really depressing at times. And I've tried sitting through the first couple of episodes, and and I know what's going to happen to these characters, and because mm-hmm. of what I know it's going to happen to them, I can't enjoy what's happening to them now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one yeah. of those things where I'm glad I watched it, mm-hmm. and I would recommend it to almost anybody. Yeah, but I just I can't I can't do it again. You know, it's too heavy. Mm. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, especially with uh with Walter White's like descent into like yeah. villainy, pretty much. Uh, I never watched. Okay, I watched like two episodes of Breaking Bad, liked it, but just never did, never watched it. You know, it's it's funny, like like the way you you felt about Broken ba- Breaking Bad is how I felt about Sons of Anarchy. Like I've watched the first two episodes, but I'm still 
trying to motivate myself to power through the rest of the season. See, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Sons of Anarchy because uh, recently and just in the, over the past couple of years, I've become a really big fan of uh, Henry Rollins. Do you guys know who that is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the villain in 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 season two of Sons of Anarchy. Right. So mm-hmm. basically, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna watch season one because I'm sure it's gonna be pretty good. But I want to watch his season and then, however, I feel after that, if I'm like. I'm good. Like I can just stop, you know, or I'll continue. But I really I want to watch it because because he's the main bad guy in the season in, in, six in, in, and seven are really good. though. Really, mm. they really are. And and I'm I'm also pushing myself to watch it too because like when um when people bring up you know uh, classic you know references to literature and things like that like because I'm like oh Sons of Anarchy I'll get to it eventually and someone told me one time they're like oh it's so brilliant I'm like why they're like because it's King Lear I'm like I'm gonna watch it now you know mm. and apparent yeah. apparently that's true. Oh, yeah. uh, apparently, they, it, it goes in the very. It takes a lot of inspiration from Shakespeare in terms of um, uh, like power struggle and that kind of thing. So. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that pretty much nails it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and speaking of television shows, there's one we got to mention. Are you guys uh, Game of Thrones fans at all? I'm one of the few people that isn't. Really? Yeah. I just um, I never. Do, do you watch Game of Thrones? I mentioned earlier it's a big inspiration for Beard Fix. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I was uh, I was waiting for somebody to remember that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I I'm love sorry. It. I love it. You I mentioned a lot of things, and you and I, you, I might have just like not heard it or something. All right, my bad. Yeah. All right, that that <laughs> one's on me. Dude, that one's on me. No, I'm sorry. Um, no, um, I'm actually. Uh, for me, it just feels like it just feels too much like homework. I know it sounds lazy, but it sounds too much like homework because there's so many families and so many alliances and so many um, uh, plots and side plots and so on, and to have to remember all this stuff, it just feels like. Like, I'm watching this when I have, like, leisure time, you know? It's like, I don't want to write a book report, you know? Mm. I don't know. Um, I'm, I, I'd probably give it another go. My, my, my girlfriend, keep, uh, she, she, she keeps trying to get me to watch it, uh, and uh, I think I probably eventually will and will like it, but it's you something should. that I have you to... You should. I have a bad thing where, like, if things are popular, I try not to like them, you know? It's, it's really... This guy right here. What are you talking about? It sounds like really, like, it sounds like, it's, it sounds really hipsterish, but, like, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the longest... It sounds weird, but for the longest time, I didn't like the Beatles just because I'm like, oh, well, everybody likes them. I I can't like them, you know? And then I started listening to them. I'm like... Okay, I can dig this. You know, like I mean, this is pretty. <laughs> when good. the popular, when the, the popularity kind of dies this, down, from like, oh, yeah, I'm like, not really, not yeah, Beatles, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. That's you know, that's funny. That's how that's how I felt this about guy right yeah. here. No, that's not true. Fast and Furious. Listen, Fast and Fu- you didn't ju- you jumped on that bandwagon late. Listen, well, okay, Fast and Furious. I gave a chance uh, after late. after Fast Five. Exactly um, because you know those those movies are made for popcorn munching mouth breathers. But wow. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> I mean, I agree, but damn. Well, I mean, that I, was, I, 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 that was a hard shot. Very that, mean on this. That, that, that was a hard. That, mean that, on that, this was a, that was a hard shot. That's like what? that's a black eye right there. What, <laughs> what's it? I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't think it sounded that harsh. But, but, um, wow, maybe it did. But, but anyway, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of of Fast and Furious. Now he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean now he is. They're, 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 yeah. they're, 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 they're movie pass movies. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like, hey, you know, see it two weeks after it comes out. Use a movie pass. You know, mm-hmm. beat, beat the heat on an afternoon. You know, see the movie. It's it's cool. But yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it t- you know, turn your brain off. It's like they're harmless action movies. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's another thing if if that's the only type of. Act kind of content you consume. Oh yeah, you know, I'm not pointing no, any fingers no. at anybody. <laughs> really, there are worse movies you can see. There are worse movies you can see than than yeah. fast, the Fast series. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like um, Jessica Alba's The Cell. Not Jessica Alba. Just the Cell Je- with Je- Jennifer Lopez. Well, I, was, yeah. I was I was thinking Transformers, but oh, if, Transformers. If, 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 you wanna, if you want to go there, I like Transformers. 
Really? Transformers is enjoyable. Yeah, of course you would. But Transformers is trans- Transformers is horrible. What? All of them. All of them. I didn't see the last two. Thank no. you. Oh, yeah, Listen, is, uh, off off microphone, someone's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drew's I, I, dad. I to, no, I have to agree with the Transformers kind of bad. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I watched the second one before any of the other ones because mm-hmm. I, I had no interest in seeing the first one. And I went with a group of friends and they all wanted to see the second one. And mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was, it was cool that everything was a robot. But I had no investment in the story. I didn't. I didn't mm. care about anything that was happening. I just liked the special effects. Okay. I mean, we may have to disagree. Agree to disagree. And then you also have what? What was something that you didn't like that I liked? Um. Well, take your pick. This. Yeah. Like I know. There's so yeah. many. You know, there's so <laughs> many. I mean, uh, like big franchises. Franchise. Well, I mean, there's uh, what about, like the pirates movies. Oh, well, you know the, the first one, Black Pearl, is absolutely a, a nice standalone well, adventure film. You want to know film. why, right? Because because it came out of nowhere. Like no yeah. one was expecting it to be good, and we were all pleasantly surprised. Like I remember seeing that um, uh, in the theater with my father, mm-hmm. and and we're just like, like this will just be you know dumb. Because I think we saw like you know Cutthroat Island and some other like crappy like pirates movies and whatever. Mm-hmm. And we went to see. Uh, um, the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and we're just like, oh, this is based on a Disney ride. It's not going to be great, but we'll have fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And then we left. We're like, that was actually a good movie, yeah. you know. And then it kind of just, it kind of veered after that. Like it kind of went off. It kind of went off track. Oh yeah, like the the sequels got progressively worse. Like I stopped at the third one, yeah. and now now they're they have the fifth one that just came out, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, I think and like the sequels are are, are are such bad quality for me it's like I wish they didn't make the first one I, I, I think yeah. never watched I any of them pretty much at this point every, every sequel after the second one I hear about it my first thought is really another one yeah I mean like I, like I'm a, I'm a big fan of like Com- like complete stories where not yeah. not dragging it all further and no, further, no. just having a complete beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And you know what else with like, with the fifth one, with sort of this whole like trend of prequels people have been doing. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure that kid in the trailer was gonna be like a young Captain Jack. I'm like, oh cool, we get like an origin story or something. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. get to see him become this legendary pilot pirate that we know he is. Yeah. And then Johnny Depp is in the trailer. And yeah. Just, and then I'm like, so it's it's just another sequel. Mm-hmm. The, these are these are the thoughts going through my mind whenever I see a new Pirates of the Caribbean. Tri- First of all, I'm just like I'm I'm not seeing it, right? <laughs> but but second of all, I'm just like I'm like okay, well, because there are people out there that just you know they live and die for Johnny Depp. They love Johnny Depp, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I'm gonna so so someone out there, I'm gonna see this because I like Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp is in it again as Captain Sparrow, a character that I know and like, right? Mm-hmm. But. If you, they also have the other side covered. If you don't like Johnny Depp, they have some cool actor playing the villain, and you're gonna be like, I'm gonna see it because of that. I'm gonna see it because Javier Bardem's in it, or I'm gonna see it because um, uh, Chai Yun Fat. Uh, yeah, no, I think Ian McShane. He was in. He was in one of them. Okay. Was Chai Yun Fat in one of them? I think he was actually. Stranger oh, Stranger Tides or something maybe. Either that or the third one. I'm not sure. But they have yeah. really solid acting talent in these yeah. movies, you know, mm-hmm. and and. You know, hopefully, if you know, if if you have to see it or something, like it will make up for the fact that like there's just really no story. It's just like you know, you're enjoying watching actors that you like hamming it up in a mm-hmm. in a fantasy adventure thing with you know a very predictable story. Mm. Like the Expendables, I oh. like the Expendables. So do I. So do I. But I won't. I won't admit that it's it's an amazing. Series no, it's definitely or not. It's not. Yeah. A, it's not amazing, but it's enjoyable. It's like yeah. let's just take let's just take all the um, okay, good. every action hero and heroine that you can think of, mm-hmm. cram them in a movie, and just it, it, and shit goes crazy. I mean, like that's yeah. that's yeah. you know, it's I, fun. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one. I haven't seen the parts two or three. Yeah. They're not as good as the first one, but oh, there's I mean, diminishing the, there's diminishing returns. By the time okay. you get to the yeah. third one, it's like PG thirteen and it's and it's really right. It's really uh 
It's really reaching. It's watered down. It is. Mm. It is. But as a, as a, it's still as a series, though, like mm-hmm. I, I was telling someone about this. Uh, basically, I was saying like uh, Expendables movies extended to like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. take take old Arnold movies like you know uh, uh, Commando and and you know stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you want to watch an Arnold movie like that on a Friday night? It's like having t- takeout pizza. You know, mm-hmm. it has no nutritional value, but man, is it fun? You know, yeah. and sometimes you just need that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, right. I don't know what it says to the to the quality of the movie, but I saw Expendables three. It's the only one I've actually seen, and I saw it when I got really, really drunk, and I loved it. I had a great oh. time with Expendables three. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, I uh, mean, like I said, I don't know what that says to the quality of it, but I mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. You can. You, know? you can. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's like the it's like. Have you revisited it sober? No, I don't. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I watched them all sober. That was fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's uh, there's there's plenty of uh, of fun popcorn films out yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Like say, no nutritional value. Yep. You know, but you know, I mean, which which some of most of which I enjoy, but I will say that um, if if you're movie going or you know, yeah, diet consists of only yeah. non nutritional value films, Carl, then <laughs> you know. I've watched some. I've watched some good movies. What is what <laughs> is even subtle? What is what's his name? What does Guillermo del Toro say? He said their movies or art in general. There's stuff that's eye candy and there's stuff that's eye protein. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you try to you know. And there's nothing wrong with eye candy. You know, if you go to if you want if you want to see a movie that's just you know explosions and just fast cars and stuff like that, that's fine. But you got to yeah. mix it up. You got to kind of and at least me like you got to kind of be open to everything and you know have an open mind. So. I like to I like to believe that I have a pretty fair balance. Okay. You watched. You said you watched one of the Criterion movies, right? That Victor. Yeah, I watched Tootsie. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a good start. Good yeah. comedy. You know? Good underlying social commentary. Solid yeah. film. Yeah. Now, yes. uh, will you sit down and watch the Neon Demon? You know what? Sure. Why not? It's a, it's a slow burn, <laughs> but man, is that a great film? Uh, oh yeah, he jones about it on a Victor's Corner, which is like a little um, sub show that that's we the have. Episode yeah. I listened to. That was, okay. that, that was yeah. one of the episodes I listened to that got me interested in the, mm. in, in, the in your podcast. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, eh, yeah. sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. it'll be like it'll be a why not, and then if it's too much, <laughs> uh, just like Victor, you're just a dark individual. Who needs oh some, man, who needs some sunshine in his life? <laughs> you have no idea what you're in for with the Neon Demon. Listen, it's, it's I great. sat through that. I sat through a movie called I Spit on Your Grave. Oh my right. god! I still haven't seen that yet. That I, is, I ha- oh, I haven't heard. Didn't, I, didn't I, Roger Ebert? I think almost walked out of that back in the day. Like, it, mm. it, like that's how that's how mm. intense that movie is. Like, mm. yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's basically a story of revenge. Um, a, a girl, she was a writer. She goes off into this cabin. She yep. makes a stop because mm. she kind of gets a little lost. Mm-hmm. So these three guys, they give her directions to the cabin that she's going to. Mm-hmm. So then they come in, beat her, rape her, pretty much leave her for dead. Yep. And then sometimes comes by, she awakens as like a zombie, but she's still like alive, mm-hmm. and she brutally murders them. She takes oh. them down, oh. yeah, one oh. by one. Okay, well that's it was made, it was made it's in a, the seventies. Yeah, and then it was also a re- it was also a, mm-hmm. a remake sometime in mm-hmm. last. In the but last I hear decade. though that it's a notorious movie. I hear that it's one of the hardest movies to watch. Like it I, is, yeah. it's it's really like I sat mm. through it like it was nothing. Really, I hear yeah. it's very very upsetting. I mean, like, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to sit down and watch watch Raw. Oh. Something that you recommend? A few oh, I want to see that. Oh, Raw is very good. I want to see Raw. I do. Yeah, it, it's a very good film. Um, any, you any, have any, to have anytime, anytime there's an art house cannibal movie, count me in. Uh, speaking of cannibals, like. 
Have you? Se- I've I've never seen it, and I I don't know if I if I ever want to. Have you seen a Cannibal Holocaust? I have not. It's on it, again. It's 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 on it's on my list. This is this podcast is going off the rails. It's getting so weird. It's just we, like we're what, no, we're what disturbing do film are you gonna like? Where's your limit? You're gonna be like like Antichrist. Like, have you seen it? Oh, I no. da- I don't dare see that. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, anyway, wow. um, but Cannibal Holocaust. Um, I do want to see it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's one of those things like where I'll probably like watch once and then just mm-hmm. be like just just to kind of you know wear it as a film person and be like yeah I've seen that you know yeah. to, 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 to impress people basically mm-hmm. but it'll probably completely repulse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? um, how about you, Drew? Have what's what's your most disturbing motion picture? Controversial <laughs> films. Uh, have you ever seen Tusk? I've heard of it. That is great. Uh, That's a really. I didn't know what I was getting into going in. My buddy goes, "Hey man, you gotta watch this movie." I go. What's it about? He goes, it's about Kevin James. He goes, but what's it about though? He goes, no, no, just watch it. Yeah. And I go into this, and I, I whenever they say that, they just you just know yeah, you're like, you know, like going into something bad. Film, <laughs> it's but it, so that, good. That like, one, like, like it was good, but it mm-hmm. actually disturbed me. Like I, I went away from that. I, I felt like like gross, you know. Wow. And it was it was. Have, if you do anything about it, do you want to tell me about it? You know, because it's, it's it's about this. Uh, it's about the, the iMac guy, you know, the I'm a Mac. Justin PC. Long. Justin Long, yeah. Justin yeah. Long, yeah. Um, and Is he, he still he, working? Yeah, apparently. apparently yeah. He's, he's in Tusk. Yeah. But uh, he ends up finding this crazy guy who surgically turns him into a walrus. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Michael Parks. Yeah, and he's, and he's forced to, um, you know, to act like a walrus because this guy's just treating him like one and that's the only way he's going to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it gets to the point where there's really like no going back with the amount of like surgery and stuff he goes through and the, the mental torturing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this guy's just a walrus now. And uh, you, you'd think, you know, that he'd, he'd want to be put down, that they, he'd want him to like kill him or something. But no, he just, he's just like that now. Wow. And it, it, like it really fucks me up, you know. Hmm. I gotta just, see that. I would, yeah. I, I, I That's would, right I would, up yeah. I would say three things about Tusk. One, I'm a Kevin Smith fan, so of course I saw Tusk. Mm-hmm. Um, two, um, just oh man like it, it's just I, I always love and respect whenever I see things on film that I've never seen before mm-hmm. and I've never seen somebody surgically turn into a walrus so that was that that, that, that was that was kind of great mm-hmm. uh, and then and I'm, apparently I'm very sick because of that but uh, I also thought it was strangely there's a strange dark comedy to that movie there mm-hmm. is there like, is especially with it I found out later on that uh, Johnny Depp is actually in that movie yeah and mm-hmm. he's wearing makeup so it's not apparently it, it's not obvious at first but um but he, he plays this like crazy detective that uh, he the was main great. character's friends hire mm. to help find him, mm. um, and he's and he's like retracing the guy's steps and like his his process for finding this guy is actually like really really ingenious. Uh, Kevin James did a good job on that. Kevin Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Yeah, because it, it takes it takes place it takes place in Canada. Yeah. Um. So Johnny Depp is like a French Canadian like yep. like yeah, detective, yeah. almost kind of in a way doing nods to like. Um, Inspector Clouseau or something like yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's really hamming it up and it's really I don't know but um the reason the reason I, I think I like Tusk so much is because I'm I'm a big David Lynch fan mm-hmm. um and so much of Tusk felt like a, it felt like Kevin Smith doing a David Lynch movie oh wow and, and it, uh, that's what I thought um because there were certain parts of it where it got like so uncomfortable that I was just chuckling and giggling like the way that like if you watch. Twin Peaks or Blue Velvet or something like sometimes it gets so intense and so ridiculous and just so disquieting Mm -hmm. that you're just like you know like you have to kind of to release the tension you almost kind of have to laugh Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know I I liked it oh okay I'm a now I gotta ask a question about Johnny Depp he has done so many 
like movies, yeah. you know, with makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you was to see him walking down the street, do you think you would even recognize him at this point? I mean, probably not at this point, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, whenever, whenever somebody, like, shows you a picture of Johnny Depp, you can always kind of tell that, yeah, that's Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. regardless of the role he's playing, you know? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, unless he's dressed up as Captain Jack Sparrow, I would I, not recognize I, him. I think I'd recognize him. I think mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, that's some guy. He looks like he might be in a bar cover band that's playing down the street. Oh, no, that's Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He, yeah. he looks like he could be fronting, like you know, like a uh, like a, a, a Black Crow's, uh, y- you know, uh, cover band. You know what I mean? Exactly. He's, and he's never won an Oscar, right? No, he hasn't. And it's a shame yeah. too, because a lot of his earlier work is really good, like uh, Ed Wood and things oh, yeah. like that. You know, yeah. Yeah, Ed Wood is a Leo hands. finally got an Oscar, <laughs> so now we're gonna move on to Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Leo can finally do some fun movies. <laughs> he's on fun movies like Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, that. Yeah, can, that was that was ahead. great. Yeah. You got me right there. Yeah. Seeing that in the theater was pretty interesting. I actually mm-hmm. thought, because I saw it in a packed theater, I saw it um, Wolf of Wall Street. What, it came out uh, 2013 or yep. something like yeah. that? I saw it like New Year's Day, I think. Or would it, so I guess it would have been 2014 or something, right? Yeah. I, I, okay. Technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I saw it in a theater full of people, and I just wasn't ready for how extreme that movie was going to get. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it, no spoilers, but I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, I don't know how this movie got an R rating. I don't know what, because apparently he, Martin Scorsese cut stuff out of it mm. to, for it to get an R rating. I'm like, what did he cut? Like, <laughs> He's snorting coke off a girl's ass. He is, he is. <laughs> uh, among other things, you know. So, enough. so I'm watching mm. this and I'm seeing different people in the audience. I'm kind of just, you know, taking a break from the movie and just gazing around to see who's watching it and I'm seeing people of various ages and I'm seeing elderly people and stuff like that and, mm. I'm, and I'm amused because I, I have this thing in me where I like it when things are so controversial that other people find it offensive and have to leave just because they can't take. I don't know. I like. I like that. <laughs> okay, so that that okay that I can agree with. So that's, I, I that like that, fun. right? I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, who's gonna walk out? How many walkouts are we gonna have? Like, I was kind of playing a game of like. So did you- I don't think there were any walkouts. I think everybody sat through it, and I think that because it's Scorsese, and I think mm-hmm. he won everybody over because he's such a great filmmaker. Oh, now, yeah. did you sit through Passion of the Christ since that caused people to walk out and? Apparently, one person died. One, I had no interest in seeing Passion of the Christ. Okay. Uh, and two, I'd probably watch it now and just be like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just like, you know. So, yeah. I'm yes. not I'm not uh, invested religiously in that movie. So, so I'm just, I'm, I'm just like, I'll see it eventually. But mm. at the time when it came out, I really had no interest in seeing it. Mm. The first time I saw, actually, probably the first and of only like two times I've seen it, I saw Passion of the Christ. I was pretty young, like like early teens, and uh, I, I saw it with the the youth group of the church I used to go to, and I remember like we had this uh, we had like a like a sleepover one night at the church, and everyone was there, and uh, and they were like prepping us for this movie, like like mentally like guys, this is a really intense movie, all right, I just want to know what you're getting into. And we're like yeah okay, like it's gonna be. I'm, I'm thinking like wow, this is gonna be like hard to watch. As a kid, I. It was fine, you know. Like, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie, but it's not like like intense to the point where I had to like stop watching it. Yeah, I looked at, I looked at it because I grew up in you know a Christian household, very religious yeah. family, mm-hmm. and I just watched it. I'm just like, okay, well, it's the, it's literally the same story I and hear every everything Easter else oh, yeah. with blood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. That's how, at least that's how I looked at it. Yeah, I saw it too, and I was like, man, if this was about anybody else, this would have gotten an NC-17 rating, oh, yeah. and it yeah. would not have oh, yeah. hit theaters. There's definitely some politics at work there, yeah. 
Um, yeah. I also, I, but I think apart from that movie, I think Jim Caviezel is actually a really good actor. I, yeah. I like him. He he's in a, a golf movie where he plays Bobby Jones. He's like one of the one of the um, the innovators of of the golf as we know it today, and it's mm. it's it's really good. So he's been in because uh, everybody knows him from you know Passion of the Christ, but he's he's so good in other films. I, I actually like to see him get more work. You know, mm. yeah, I haven't yeah. really seen him again. I haven't really no. seen him in much. He was in a TV sh- series, A Person of Interest. Mm-hmm. I heard that was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. So yeah, we, we kind of went all over the map with this uh, yeah, <laughs> this episode. Yeah. So gotta get to our question of the week and stuff. Maybe I can tap into last week's. Um, I think you liked the pick. You actually did like it. Uh, what movie would you erase from your memory? You wanna go first? No, I'm gonna let you take this one. Because it depends on how you want to answer it. It could be just like it was so bad that I wish I didn't see it, or it was, or it was traumatizing, or if it was, you know, just a waste of time. You know what I mean? So well, you we were going with so bad that you wish you never. So seen bad, it. okay. So bad you wish you never saw it. Okay. If if we're if I'm answering the the, the first question, a movie I wish I could erase from my memory, um, I'm gonna have to go with probably Pacific Rim. Ooh. Because yeah. I like that movie so much. Ouch. I wish I could watch it again. Just just. You know, without any knowledge going in. Oh, okay. Like, mm. I re-experienced that first time watching it. Is that, is that valid? Yeah. I got scared for a minute. I thought, like, you didn't like it at no, all. No, I'm I, like, that yeah. movie's awesome. I love Pacific Rim. Okay, good. You would erase it from your memory to watch it again. With to the have first the, time. Oh, okay. to experience the first time, basically. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. But, like, like the, the worst movie, I, I think, would be, um, I saw I, I saw Samurai Cop recently. <laughs> Wait, which one? Samurai Cop. Oh, man. Uh, oh boy. Not a lot of samurai, too much cop. Mm. Okay. How about you, Kurt? Movie that I wish I could, th- that I just wish I could erase. Um, it's weird because not really erase because I, it's instantly forgettable, but I just wish I didn't see Sofia Coppola's The Bling Ring. Hmm. <laughs> I just felt incredibly, I felt like it just could have been like a 20-minute short. It really was not a feature film. It really, like, it, it just, I, I was really surprised that something like that got so much coverage and publicity and everything that really just felt like I kind of, like, have seen better things at, like, student festivals. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, our Instagram followers answered the question. Uh, Tattoos by Dre Tavares says, The Last Bit Airbender and Dragon Ball Evolution. Ooh. Mm. Both Oof. horrible. Yeah. Were you remember when we used to do the thing where like we would watch like I, I was hanging out with uh, some people and then oh, yeah. and then you were at your house and we would and, yeah. and it was you were capable of doing this back then you could watch movies through the Xbox um, and Netflix and, app yeah through the yeah and what yeah, was it, it basically like yeah can you if, you were, it? if you were in if you were in a party on yeah. Xbox and uh, you were all on the Netflix app you were able to like like somebody would control the movie mm. and we could all watch the movie at the same time mm. which is really cool and then they, they took the feature out unfortunately so we had to like sort of like makeshift it so it would be like alright guys I'm gonna pause the movie in three seconds and we'd pause it at the same time at everybody's mm. house and then you know uh, restart it and everything we tried to we tried to do that again but it didn't really work out mm-hmm. and we used to do this thing where we'd watch uh, like, like every Friday or, or something like that we'd, we'd watch yep. a really bad movie yep. and we just it, think like like Especially since we had like our, our Xbox avatars at the bottom of the screen watching it while we did, it was kind of like a mystery uh, 
Theater 3000 type deal. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of funny. fun. A lot of fun. That's yeah. when I first became aware of uh, talking with yeah, you guys. It's, with it's you basically and your dad. how we became ah, friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and but the thing where I was going with that was because somebody mentioned the Last Airbender. Did you do that that night with us? Like you you were watching Last Airbender with us, weren't you? I don't think I watched it with you guys, but I saw it in the theater with my friends. Okay, because we did a crappy movie. Sorry night. to hear that. Because yeah, because we we did yeah. a crappy movie night where we watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I almost couldn't sit through it. Like it was like no, yeah, it was it was hard because my especially since my friends and I were, were such big fans of the show mm. that we we had way too high expectations about the movie, and uh, and it just I think we saw it like the opening weekend too, and we did just it let us down, man. Oh yeah, it was, it was that one. That one. I, I wasn't a big fan of Dragon Ball Z, so I didn't watch Dragon Ball uh, the the live action one. Don't. But mm. I, don't. Yeah. Why would I? <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna probably recoil in horror from this. But there, I saw on Twitter today. I think it was today or yesterday. Like they're like, there's a script circulating for Dragon Ball Evolution two. I'm like, God, get this off the internet. <laughs> you know, get it. Nobody needs this. Mm. Oh my. That's the scariest thing I probably heard all this week. I know. That is awful. That's scarier than the new It movie, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got to read on. John Aponic, who we call, um, he's my super villain because he's such a DC guy. Okay. And I'm a Marvel guy. Like, he makes excuses why Suicide Squad and BVS are good. Okay. Yeah. Um, He says, tempted to put Thor 2, but who am I kidding? K-Pax was the worst experience ever. It made me outright angry. <laughs> Runner-up is Transformers, which I almost walked out on. And then his wife, Jessica Concussion, says, The Last Circus, you can watch it. You can unwatch someone unwillingly burn their face with an iron. Hashtag haunts my dreams. <laughs> oh, so um, this week, name a movie that traumatized you as a kid. Ooh. That's hard. That's a tough one. Hmm. No, I mean, I, I feel like as a kid, I was able to handle movies pretty well. I, I don't know if any really like traumatized me. You know, I think I have two. Um, just trying to remember as far back. Um, I think back in like either the late eighty, like one of my first movie theater experiences was actually kind of traumatizing. Um, somebody took me to see um, uh, a reissue, uh, like they put it back in theater. Disney put it back in theaters or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Pinocchio, I think, didn't they do that like in the late '80s or early '90s? So I might have been like, I was born in '86, so I might have been, you know, like just four or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. But they put Pinocchio back in the theaters on the big screen, and I went to see it. And I remember being really, really just like, just very creeped out by it, like the 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 the, the fact that he went into the whale, and and I was really, I felt very, very claustrophobic. And then mm-hmm. the when everyone was getting turned into the the donkeys and everything, I just felt like I, I'm just like I was just weirded out by a lot of the supernatural <laughs> elements of it, and it was just mm-hmm. it was it was it kind of freaked me out. Um, and the other one was um, I saw Mortal Kombat when it came out, and. Uh, the part at the beginning freaked me out so much. It sounds so weird to say now because it's like kind of a cheesy, laughable movie, you know, from like '97 or '96 or something yeah. like that. And uh, the part at the beginning when when Liu Kang has the um, the dream about his brother being we killed, killed by Shang Tsung, and then like he, he's like, you know, your soul's mine, whatever. And then they zoom in on that weird like rotting skull thing. Yeah, like, yeah. That freaked me the hell out. I remember. <laughs> I think I, w- I walked out of the theater and I, and I and I remember being so excited about seeing Mortal Kombat. I'm just like I. 
played the game when I wasn't supposed to. It was like the it was like the the, the naughty thing to do at the time, you know, yeah. whatever. Mm. I remember seeing this in the theater. This opening scene freaked me out, ran out, and then I remember I had to like think about it again and then go back and see it and and like face my fear. And and the rest of the movie was really just so cheesy. I'm like like everything after that was like it was not traumatizing at all. But mm. that was that freaked me out though. It freaked me out. Yeah, the uh, the thing you said with Pinocchio kind of reawakened some repressed memories I had. Not the animated one, but the live action one they made after. Oh my god! That one, I've never seen the live action. That one not messed the, do not, not the horror movie. Because it was no, a horror. It, no, it was like it was like a. They were trying to play it, you know, just like a straight like okay like enchanted Pinocchio thing. Like it, it was just the same story. It was live action. Was that the one that was done by uh, what's his name, um, oh, Roberto Benigni? Yeah, was that the one? Yeah, so. that, that was that the one, one. That yeah. one messed me up as a kid. I, but he's like such a same, happy man. <laughs> like the same scene, where, like the kids turning into donkeys. That okay. one, that one freaked me the hell out. Yeah, I was yeah. Wow. Just just maybe the magic and supernatural elements at a young age just was very. It was just so like you know. Like I, I know a lot of people. I think like if they ask Stephen King this question, he says that he said that Bambi was I think like the scariest thing he'd seen. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. of like you know the, the 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 death of the you know the the mother and all this kind of stuff. You know, so it's mm. I don't know. Disney movies seem to traumatize people at an early <laughs> age. Mm. Um, for uh, me, I would have to say Candyman. You know, I watched that recently. I thought it was I thought it was brilliant, but again, I was late to the party on that because everybody watched it like when it first came out, when it right. was when it was a big thing. They knew, you know, like everybody knows before, you know, everybody knew Tony Todd from Candyman. I knew him from like The Rock, you know, right? What I mean, right? But now at seeing Candyman, now he's definitely Candyman. Yeah, <laughs> like just him Very standing scary. there with the bugs like just Very all scary. on him. I'm like, very scary. Ew. Great story, yeah. great themes. Uh, can- Candyman's an incredible film. And God forbid we sit in front of a mirror saying Candyman three times. Like, we- yeah, I'm looking around the room right now for mirrors. I really hope we don't, <laughs> we don't have one in here. So we, Candyman no, we, please don't try me that. all up. Mm. Uh, man, I... I don't know if I, I I don't think I have an answer uh, yeah. for this one. I mean, I've seen a bunch of like intense movies as a kid. Like I saw RoboCop, uh, oh, wow. all, all the all the aliens films. Okay, a Predator. Um, maybe I'd say like maybe one that kind of freaked me out was uh, the first Friday the Thirteenth okay. at the very end when Jason plunged oh, yeah. out of the water. And oh yeah. Drag that, uh, yeah, last that cla- the classic ending. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think because of the look of Jason looks like such like a like. Like a friggin', I don't know. It was a combination of like a, a demon, like bathed in toxic waste. And I was like, oh yeah, so, toxic Avenger. Yeah, kind of, kind of looked like it kind of looked like that, but but way freakier. But for some reason, just the image of how Jason looked popping out of it that was water, decomposed and like rotting flesh, and like yeah. his face was like half off and everything. Like, yeah, it was, it's really yeah, it's very unsettling. Yeah, yeah that that kind of. I mean, that kind of rattled me for a couple of days when I was a kid. <laughs> well, that part uh, the end of Carrie with the hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of laughed at that one. Actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, I thought was amazing. Yeah, that was like just the best like revenge scene ever. Carrie, mm. the original Carrie with Sissy Spacek, d- right. done by Brian De Palma, is is still to this day one of the best horror films ever ever made. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. So, any, any emails? No, no emails. So yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. So yeah. where can uh, everybody? Where can they find you? Uh, uh well, we we have a, a splash page comics. Um, Facebook page. Yep. Okay. Uh, I think that's the easiest place to find us because that has links to our Comixology and our Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are the two places you can find us. But uh, again, like the, the Facebook page, um, the symbol <laughs> the symbols like a, like a like a brown with blue letters. Okay. And it just says Splash Page Comics. Yeah. All right. 
Um, you can find me on uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook just with with uh, uh, you know Splash Page Comics. I I, uh, I contribute there. You you and I both basically contribute to that page. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know I'm on there as Curtis Parvin. But on my uh, Instagram and my Twitter, you can find me at Dollar Store Film. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And and again, thank you guys so much for uh, for. Uh, Coming out, come on, oh, man. Oh, this, 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 this was, was this was this was super fun. Thanks for having us on. Oh yeah, yeah. you guys know you're coming back, right? Oh cool, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yes. looking forward to it. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. Cool. And you, yep. And uh, for our Facebook uh, viewers and uh, listeners, uh, you can you can check out uh, uh, Curtis Parvin's uh, comic, Legend of Beard Fist, art by Drew Kelly. Uh, c- check it out on Comicsology. It's only ninety nine cents, people. You know, you can you got that to spare. It's also it's a really cool read. It is. It yep. is. And uh, as for us, uh, Codex Prime, you can find us all over the social medias. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find all of our episodes on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. And we have a Twitch channel as well that we need to utilize more often. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you guys uh, Thank you guys so much for joining us. And thank you to all of our Facebook listeners for, for watching us and listening to us. So you can just tune in next week on the Codex Prime podcast. Uh, uh, Tuesday nights around six ish p.m. Yeah, uh, we'll be back, and uh, yeah, we will catch you next week. Uh, peace out, nerds. Later.